Hello there, and welcome to the Literarily Trash Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Roseanne. I'm Vanessa. I'm Samantha. And I'm Stephanie. And we're four sisters who love to read, drink, and talk shit. If you check any of those boxes, or hell, if you're just looking for some solid entertainment, you've come to the right place. Our exclusive book club is now open to the public. So grab a drink, pull up a chair, and let's talk some shit. Oh, and hey, listener discretion is advised. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. You know, I think okay. Samantha has been the on every episode so far. She does a good. It's my signature move. In case you guys were wondering who that was. They know by now. They recognize that sound. They know our voices. Oh, I wonder if people can tell Actually, our voices. Actually, they don't. They don't? Oh, still? Well, not even my own husband last night listening to the one we just released was like, oh, I didn't even know that was you. And I was like, is that a good or bad thing? Like, does my voice sound better or worse recording? I would say if anybody, Roseanne, I think you sound the most different from us three. Really? Yeah. That's what Greg says to you. Yeah, I would say so too. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. I concur. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. There's a question. You. Can you tell our voices apart? Or is it personality by now? Making a note. Taking notes. Ooh. What we should do is we should like say each other's names and then be yeah. like, oh, I'm going to trick them. Be like, hi, I'm Stephanie. <laughs> and see yes, which and, one is and our subscribers will, will riot in the streets because they'll know it's not true. And they're passionate about us. <laughs> We haven't, we haven't got there yet. Maybe, maybe soon we'll have subscribers worth writing over. I was having a delicious pool day before we started recording this today. Hmm. Whose idea was it? This is different because we're recording on a weekend. Well, we're, we had yeah, to accommodate. Whose yeah. idea was this? We've had to accommodate some things. Well, guys, we have a trip coming up. All of us together. We've mm-hmm. all been traveling. I mean, we all just got back from yes. Miami. Everyone's getting ready to come down and visit me in two weeks. I have to go back up to Atlanta next week. I feel like we're all just like all over the place. Mm-hmm. We just did a round yeah. trip. Life is a struggle. Ohio trip. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Steph just did Ohio in two days, yep. which is impressive. You know what we passed over was the um, Kentucky River Bridge, which is the tallest bridge in Kentucky, and it was high. And they nice. found a body under when we were driving by. Ooh. What? I was in the traffic. Oh. Like as you're driving by? I was in the traffic as the corner van went flying by and parked. And I Googled this later because like, yes, right? Like we're all morbidly curious. Like, and so there was fire trucks with like ropes over the side. Um, and so I thought it was like a fresh, you know, a fresh jump is what I was assuming. <laughs> and I actually immediately voice memoed one of my friends and was like, hey, I need you to Google this and tell me if you find anything like, and she watched all day and actually found in, that they did discover a body, but it was skeletal remains. But what was interesting about this was I did see, I feel morbid about this, but surely they won't hear this. I did see an SUV parked amongst the police cars there. And there was someone sitting in the back seat, and he was resting his forehead on the seat in front of him. 
And I, in the article, it said that the remains were found by someone out looking for their friend. Dang. Aww. Hmm. Yep. Dang. So sad. Am I hearing Bo? Yes, as usual. Well, uh, it is a Sunday fun day. He should be going down for his nap soon. Um, yes. If he's screaming, that's probably what this is. Um, yeah, podcast recording with a three-year-old in the house. He turned three on Wednesday. I know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. Wait, wait. So when is it's, it's on the 22nd. And it's okay. Saturday. It's okay if people can't it's come. Saturday. I know we've had to move it. Yeah, Saturday the 22nd. It's a kid thing, you know? Um, yeah, don't don't okay. stress yourself out. There's been a lot. It's been a we've all traveled a lot lately. Um, I wish I could avoid the party. Yeah. Right? <laughs> hey, you can come to my house. <laughs> and I have to plan it. And I'm like, Well, oh. Tristan Tristan's asking every day, is it Bo's birthday party yet? And he's like, But he already had a birthday. And I'm like, Well, I know, but his party is a different day than his birthday. So Tristan for one is counting down. If anyone else is not excited. Bobo's party, Tristan. Nice. They had such a good time on this trip, Sam. I wish you could have seen it. We've definitely missed you on this trip. It was not, not the same without we you did. there. That's but, what I um, said. Um, it was nice. We had lots of we had lots of time together, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say it was a good. Yeah, it was I a good trip. No, I was jealous. Yeah, it was a good trip. Pictures. It was. Even though the house was not as described, but you know what? But you know what, though? I don't, it did its purpose. I don't remember a thing about the house that was negative because all I remember about the trip was how much fun we had. And it was good memories. And it was celebrating Grandpa. I, that's what I think about. I don't think about the AC going out and the roach. Like, you Same. know. Same. Actually, well, Terrence this morning was asking, hey, did anything come of the Airbnb? And oh. I was like, apparently you and I were probably the only ones rampaging about it. I don't think anyone else cared. I, yeah, I did much. message them. And they were like, we're so sorry. Um, I mean, we had no idea if you, they did have the place treated apparently. And they were like, told you. somebody, um, they said that it had been three weeks ago. So if there was still stuff, they wanted to know so that they could let the bug people know that they did a shitty job. Well, and I, which, um, what kind of bugs guys, what kind of bugs? Roseanne found uh, a car. There was a, there was a dead one of the big a water water bugs. one of the big water bugs dead under the recliner. And then the day we were leaving, there was ants on the counter. The the it was the smell for me that was so overwhelming. Like as soon as you walk in, it's just like bug spray, and it was like all over our clothes and our you know you bring your stuff home and you know you had that different smell on your stuff from a different home. Like it was all over everything. And like I'm real sensitive to smells. I, I have a new swear. nose. Roseanne has a new nose, as Terrence calls it. She I has have a new, new nose. nose. It's a COVID my... nose. He calls it a COVID no, nose. No, it's after my surgery. No, it's after my sinus oh. surgery. Oh, it's all open yeah. now? Yeah, so I'm like a bloodhound. No, if there's a smell, I'm going to smell it. And it was bug spray. It wasn't fucking paint. I still thought it was paint because our room had the closet that they had painted, and it was still, like, wet. Like, you could feel, like, the paint was wet. So well, they weren't sorry enough to refund some money, and that's what I was looking for. No. I don't know if I'm not paying Airbnb money to stay in a house that's shittier than mine. Like, no. Yeah. That's true. Well, I think I, I think the Airbnb owner would appreciate hearing that his pool guy is not doing a good job, that his housekeepers are not him. doing a good job. Yeah, that's the stuff they need to know. We had somebody say to us, like, hey, like we we need to know if it's not up to standards. We're not there. We're trusting these companies are cleaning our house. Right. Like they don't check it before every visit. So letting them know that they're pool guys. The person said they were out of the country. Yeah. So they were not even there. 
So you had somebody else tending to the place. So just, yeah, I don't know. Could it be real? Could it not? Could it just have been a slumlord? Maybe, but also it was 10 minutes from Frank's house. It served mm-hmm. its purpose. We all had a room. Yep. I'm not complaining. The boys had sleepovers so. and I just keep remembering how cute they were. Roseanne, I don't think you were up yet. <laughs> Maybe Vanessa, you were there when they had their sleepover mm-hmm. and they opened the door and they both oh, just they peeked. They just peeked their little heads out to see if anybody was awake. And it was like Tristan up top, both sticking out below. It was just so freaking <laughs> cute. cute. It was cute. So cute. Yeah. Okay. And the house was it like was really, cute. really echoey. So like every sound the children made was like reverberating through all of our brains, but they were having so much fun together playing foosball and like crashing monster trucks on the floor. It was just, it was loud, but good. Like they had such a good time. I would love to give you two props as parents because this was a funeral and it was, it was, as as some of you guys know, we lost our grandfathers who were celebrating his life um, this past week that we were in Miami and um, we're sitting in a group of people Everyone's sharing their stories. There's a lot of tears. There's a lot of crying. And and your two kids, like, I don't recall a moment where anybody was like, somebody get Bo, somebody get Tristan. Why are you guys being loud? Like, nothing. They were so respectful, so well-mannered. They allowed you guys to have your time with the adults that you needed to be with without causing any issues or ruckus or any problems. Like, I'm just, you guys did a great job. The kids were amazing. And so I just want to give you both kudos as parents because that's a hard thing one to do and to bring a child. A lot of people just choose not to. Um, and you guys, the kids were great. So just saying. Thank hey, you. thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Mine was Good actually job, watching moms. someone's iPad in the back room. So that's what mine was doing. <laughs> Doesn't matter. He was good for the moment. That's all that matters. <laughs> Some other kid was being ornery. So I put him back there with him and they were watching the iPad. Oh, so I, I wish I had known that. Uh, I was doing the whisper battle in Bo's ear. <laughs> You should, I will give you. I'm not gonna pinch it. The little pinch. Did you pinch? pinch little part. Ooh, that little skin. skin. Oh, Mommy, Greg, to get I did not pinch time. him. I didn't like being pinched, so I, I don't pinch Bo. But Greg was in his ear saying yeah, that he was like, he's like, this is one of those times you could just sit still and be quiet. And Bo was like, oh, and just was so dejected, like, oh. <laughs> oh, I didn't know any of that. I just. From the outside, it looked like your kids were very well behaved. <laughs> so what else has happened since oh. the last recording? Rosie, you actually yes. went to Alaska. Oh, yeah. I had my epic so. Alaska vacation. Yeah. I will say, um, just real quick, the most epic thing that we did is also shout out to my mother for making this happen. Freshie just woke up one day and decided to be super adventurous. So she booked us all a helicopter ride to the top of a mountain where we got to actually dog sled in the snow and we got to land on a glacier on our helicopter and get out and like walk around on the glacier and drink like fresh glacier water. And just like being on a glacier, I, I was, I'm going to say is probably the most epic, beautiful thing I have done and seen with my two eyes. It was just beautiful. Um, I posted some pictures if anyone's friends that follow me, that you can see. I mean, I think Sammy or Steffi said they didn't even look real. Yeah. Like it was just absolutely stunningly beautiful. And it was awesome. Everything actually in Alaska is beautiful. Just um, particularly Anchorage where we landed at and where we stayed at. It's just surrounded by snow capped mountains and it's just beautiful. Just everywhere you go, everywhere you drive, like that's your scenery. And it was really beautiful. So if you guys ever get the opportunity, if this ever comes up again, go 
Don't even hesitate. Worry about the money later. <laughs> Follow me for more financial tips. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. No, it sounds like you're following mom on that journey oh. of... <laughs> Mom, my, yeah. one of my favorite things mom has ever said in all of my 32 years of knowing this woman was just recently on Mother's Day, we went to a little nursery, all to all of us sisters. Sammy, you didn't come with us, did you? No, you were at soccer. You had to meet us that oh, night. No. You met us that night at the winery. Oh, that was the vineyard yeah. night. That um, was the winery day. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. right. Um, yeah, okay, well, yeah. we didn't know mom was going to spring for all of our carts of flowers, you know. But anyways, there was these beautiful jasmine plants there. And I was asking her, I was like, mom, do you know how much these jasmine plants are? She goes, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. I'm getting it anyways. I love that. It's, it's irrelevant. Alrighty. <laughs> yeah. And what she says is, it's just money. I'll make more of it. That's what mm-hmm. she says. Is it the best advice? Probably not. But living in the moment, look, I mean, would you have gone on that glacier helicopter ride yeah. without her doing that? No, because I we had talked about it beforehand before we decided to do, I think in the last episode, I even said we're doing dog sledding, mm-hmm. but not in the snow, like on the ground. And we did that one and it was really cute and all, but I was like, man, how epic would it have been to actually do it in the snow? But the price tag was just like, absolutely not. But mom looked at that price tag and she said, so what guys, let's go. We're doing it today. And um, I know dad's not listening so I know the reason she, she did it was because dad wasn't there to tell her no. Like nobody was there to tell her yeah. no. She got to do what she wanted to do. And we had an epic, wonderful time that day. It was, I have no complaints. That was an amazing day that I'll remember forever. Mm-hmm. I loved. And her mission was accomplished mm-hmm. in doing yeah. that, that day. I loved also her outfit when she did it. Mm-hmm. Because as the dress. If everyone knows our mother loves she loves to wear dresses that's like her thing these long flowing dresses that g- touch the ground like mm-hmm. dad had a um a health scare and had to be in the hospital and mom wore these long dresses that even the nurses were like you probably shouldn't be wearing those and that she wears it everywhere everywhere she's on a glacier wearing a long flowing dress <laughs> with like <laughs> leggings underneath did she have leggings underneath <laughs> and her snow boots it was the cutest thing and they were like the pale colored tights. So it looked like it could yes. have been her real pale leg. And she was like, why would I wear this? Like looking back at pictures, I was like, I mean, probably wasn't the best choice of like the undergarment, but whatever. It was still cute. Oh, you, do, you do. You yeah, it was awesome. It was so cute. Everything looked cute. That's great. I feel like yeah. that's a nice little nod towards this book, which talks about motherhood and how much you give up and obviously raising six children. Mom, from the age of 17, she gave up. Mom gave up yeah. her life. A decade. Like, yeah, like like years. Cheers to mom. She gave up years for her. Cheers family. to mom. Cheers to mom. Cheers. Thank yeah, you, cheers mom. mom. She was pregnant. She was pregnant with the different children for a decade. Yep. Imagine. Yeah. Being either no, pregnant yeah. or breastfeeding for 10 years. Yep. And sometimes right on top of the other. A lot of times, actually, most of the time, right on top yeah. of the other. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, yeah. I'm exhausted with one kid. I feel like once you get, I can't even imagine. Once she got that far in, she had to just get it over with. She had to just keep going, just like get it all out and done and over with. Just never stopped. She was just fertile mortal. I remember she was saying like they just eventually stopped announcing their pregnancies to people. And it was just like bringing another kid to the family event. Like it wasn't even like, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's another one. My bad. (laughs) A whole ass kid. No one knows exists. Yeah. I remember the announcements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? 
Every time Roseanne's Are like, you serious? Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> God, woman. Close your You're not sleeping in my bed. Roseanne, what was it like hearing mom was pregnant with her sixth and final child? Annoying. Annoying. No, that you... I was like, I thought you were on birth control. She was. But she didn't take it every single night. She didn't know. Mm. She didn't follow the rules. So I was I was like actually pretty annoyed with your announcement because I thought she was taking precautions, but obviously not. And Roseanne was 10 at this point, by the way. 10. I was mother number two. Yep. And that's why it took me my entire adult life to even want children mm-hmm. because I was a mother... <laughs> A secondhand mother for years. That's why I think you lost your mind a little bit from like, you you lost your mind a little bit from like 15 to what? 25, 26, 27, 25. Oh, I'm just kidding. I was like maybe 30. Actually, I'm trying to remember. I think, I think I reined it in. I reined it in around 30. I was about to say, I think you went hard till 30 because that's, I was, I was 20 and that's when I met Greg and you met Terrence at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I reined it in. So you lost your Terrence mind from it. Yeah, you lost your mind from fifteen to thirty, but understandably. I, um, first of all, I, I don't she was just living her best mind. life. She didn't lose her I mind. Was she was living my life. Mind. I I, did I was not jealous. Lose my I tried. I had to be. We all tried to be. We all tried to. Be I think we all tried to catch up. We all tried to like keep up with your path, and it was I couldn't do it. Here's I what, gave it a solid two years. Happened. You guys got pregnant earlier, early, mm, you know? True. I did not. I had nothing holding me back. Yeah. I had a job that I made good money at, and I had no problem spending it because I had nothing holding me back. True. So I did a lot of things, and I had a lot of fun. True. And now I can be a better mother because I got all that shit out of my system. I don't have to pull a mm-hmm. – we'll get into one of the characters later, but I don't have to think, oh, well, I don't want to do that because I want to go do this for myself. Like, I've done all the things. That's very true. Good. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the benefits of waiting till later to have kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> really nice. Little and refresh. Rosie, those are, what were those again? Oh, it's called Plume and Petal. It's a lemon spritz. It's a refreshing infusion of lemon, elderflower, and white tea with a hint of honey. Shout out to our sister-in-law, Michelle, who hooked me up with these and they're delicious. I miss her. I can't wait to see Michelle. I can't wait to see her. I miss her. She's so busy being a big girl now, and I miss her. I know. I'm tired of us all being boss bitches. Like, it's not like I'm ready for us to just not all have jobs and just relax. I don't want to be. I don't want to be. So I don't either. This sucks. I've been really, I've been really trying to decide. Like, and I, I hate thinking so hard about what stage of life I'm in and where I want it to sit. I keep going back and forth between being like, you never wanted to work once you had a kid. What's, and I keep, I, this book kicked my ass because I like, I was like every single one of them. I was like, same. Yeah. Same. You've had some of those. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. It was, well, not all of them, yeah. but um, <clears throat> you know, yeah, no, it's just like, like I keep trying to decide, like, do I need to quit my job and just focus on my kid? Cause what could possibly be import- more important than my child? But then I say, Stephanie, he's going to grow up. And he's going to have a whole life ahead of him. And you need to have something. Something. Because then what, Roseanne? Roseanne's like, then what? we need nothing, uh, guys. Like, oh. <laughs> no, you need nothing. You rely on your husband and you live your great life being a housewife. Mm-hmm. And on your farm, that's what you do. Well, I know, I know. That's what you do. You enjoy your fucking life. And you be a mother. Well, if you don't what have if to Greg work, gets like, who in their God's mind wants to? Let's be honest. You guys aren't going anywhere. 
Well, I know. Well, yeah. But, and a lot of it's like, I, you know, so anyways, I related to this book a lot because it was like, damn, you know, trying to pace yourself and, and focus on what phase of life you're in. What, baby? Did, see anything? did you just unlock the door with a screwdriver? Who's arrived? Oh I'm going to eat this cracker really loudly on the microphone. Oh, damn it. Yeah, but you know what? That's nothing like Roseanne's eating. I swear. I don't know why. Do you want to, do you know how I'm sitting right now? I wish I could show you. It's, I, I have a feeling it's, it's like, weird. I, I don't want to see like it. One leg pulled in. I wish I could show you, but you would die if you saw this. So I'm, I'm in my bed and I've got a, one of those sit up, sit up pillows, you know, I have my feet together, drawn up, tucked in tight, and I'm wearing no pants. Right? Oh God. Do you have on underwear? I, just, I do. I do have on underwear. Yeah. But right? But, uh, but, but if I can oh, tell okay, you guys, okay, this okay, is a okay. hell of a stretch. Like it feels good. So. You are going to, your legs are going to fall asleep. They're going to fall asleep and you're going to need to move. I already know. Have you guys ever heard of trauma um, release there, like stretching where you like, you do certain stretches that release trauma from your hips. Have you ever heard of that? It's very interesting. It's like there's exercises they have you do and it's supposed to like, apparently your body stores trauma in it. And it's these exercises you do that releases the trauma and like your legs will like shake and they look like butterfly wings while you're doing it. You basically just like you, you do, you put your feet together and you pull them into you like you're laying flat on your back though. And you just slowly bring your knees together and your, your legs will like shake like butterfly leaves as they're coming up and they say that's the trauma leaving oh. your body. But <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. I'm pretty sure that's just some new I mean, probably, for, but it like, does yoga. feel good. Yeah, I don't, I, yoga term. Well, some people would be like, I cried after it. I'm like, okay, well, I didn't cry, but it did feel, it did feel good oh, to whoa. like, to do this. So anyways, I'd recommend this, uh, this. Yeah. I've done yoga for, I mean. I don't do it religiously, but I've done it for some years and I've never heard of this term like ever in any, and I've been to classes, well, et cetera. And I've never heard this term. Well, I feel like, I feel like trauma is like this new term. Cause even, so I just got my tooth cleaned and apparently I had eaten something like hot or something. I don't know. And the guy's like, uh, cause they do this, this cancer check is whether it was like this light, they shine this mm-hmm. light in your mouth to check for cancer. And he's like, is there some trauma there? Did you eat something hot? He's like, there's trauma on both sides. I'm like, trauma? I was like, you mean like I, I burnt the inside of my mouth? But it was just weird. Like, I've, I haven't heard that term either. Um, and, and, you know, in regards to that. There's also a new term called and trauma. And it's weird when he rubbed on it. Um, trauma bonding. Yeah. Which is what you refer to at work. If you're like, um, you're in your besties at work. Yep. You bond over trauma because you hate your jobs. And, you know, you're both like traumatized every day at work. So that's a new term as well, trauma bonding. Start taking a shot okay. every day. I just I can't. Say, <laughs> when you hear people say trauma and see how fucked up you trauma. get. <laughs> cheers to trauma. Take a shot. I was going to say, speaking of trauma, yeah. cheers to, to trauma. Oh, yeah. the book. <laughs> speaking of trauma, let's see about this one. Steph, would you like to get into the description of what the book is about? Do you want to tell us what book we're reading, Roseanne? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God damn it. This is episode seven, eight. Wait, is it nine? Five. Oh, wait. I was about to do that as a joke and you stole it. Uh, episode 25. <laughs> <laughs> One day, guys, we're going to be at 25. I know. Yeah, I know. Could you imagine? I've started a new spot in my house. I'll take a picture and show it to you guys where I, I only have 
the literarily trash podcast books on one certain spot in my house so I can just stack up and it's cute it's cute yeah me yeah. too I, I have the whole same thing too. happening yeah because like, I create a whole know. new bookshelf and it's just yeah. our books yeah okay mm-hmm. well in reality it's only episode five but <sighs> we are discussing the whispers by Ashley Aldrain Stephanie take it away A page-turner about four suburban families whose lives are changed when the unthinkable happens and what is lost when good people make unconscionable choices. The story spins out in the alternating voices of the women in each family as they are forced to face the secrets within the walls of their own homes and the uncomfortable truths that connect them all to one another. The Whispers is a novel about what happens when we put our needs ahead of our children's. Exploring the quiet sacrifices of motherhood the intuitions that we silence, the complexities of our closest friendships, and the danger of envy. This is a novel about the reverberations of life's most difficult decisions. Can I read the author dedication at the beginning of the book? Because I feel like it's also a good description. It says, for every mom hanging on by a thread and for those trying desperately to be one. And there's another little quote at the beginning of the book, and it's by a lady named Rachel Cusk, who's a British novelist. I've never heard of her, but she was quoted in the book for some reason. And she said in an interview, what I increasingly felt in marriage and in motherhood was that to live as a woman and to live as a feminist were two different and possibly irreconcilable things. Steve, I think I feel that statement more than anything. That is a that mm-hmm. is so true. It is hard to be a mom and also want to be all the things that we females feel like we should be. It's very difficult. They're two yeah. totally separate lives. This book one hundred percent spoke to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the urge to be a stay at home mom and take care of your family, but then also to like live independently as your own human being taking care of yourself or like figure out who you are without being all those other things like you can't be your own independent person and i feel like this book very much so highlighted a lot of that in different perspectives from all of these different women at different levels of their life i just i think Ashley does just a phenomenal job. And I know we all, I think we all read The Push, right? Which is one of her other novels. Um, I think that that was just, Rosie, you did that one as your oldie, but a goodie was at last mm-hmm. episode, episode mm-hmm. three. The one before um, episode three. Yeah. I mean that you already, you kind of like kind of perceive a little bit about how her writing is if you read The Push. And this one was just even more so because it was more focused a lot on just all these different aspects of female of of femalehood or motherhood or the journey of all of that from different perspectives she just did a really 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 good job Mm -hmm. well and you know getting into the psyche of you thinking how one family is and wanting to be them and then you know, behind closed doors, you know, to have the description is like, what's really going behind closed doors? Like it may look like a perfect family, a perfect life, but, um, you know, usually it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. True. The grass is always too. greener, they say, but is it? Mm-hmm. So who is Ashley, Rosie? 
All right, a little bit about the author, Ashley Aldrain. Um, first of all, I just want to say that she is beautiful. If you've uh, Google imaged her, um, she's a very beautiful woman. She lives in Canada. She used to be a publicity director for Penguin Books Canada, actually. And she had to retire from that job in 2015 when her youngest child had a health crisis. So she had to stay in the hospital for a month after her child was born. So she started writing because she could do that as a stay-at-home mom. Um, And she said that she had always been fascinated by motherhood, the question of why women do it, how it changes them, what the experience is really like. And she is quoted as saying, you know, how we're told it would be, how we're taught we should feel, even sort of the language we're supposed to use around the experience of motherhood. I really wanted to explore that in fiction. And I, I think she did a really great job in this book doing that. I feel like she explored all the different angles, viewpoints, different types of mothers, all in this one book. So I'm excited to dig into yeah. it. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And she has only read or wrote the one other book, The Push. So this is only her second novel. Um, so I'm looking forward to anything else she wants to to get out of her brain about motherhood. I'll read everything she writes. I love, I love her writing style. So I think so too. Yeah. Well, I feel like her real life experience of having to quit her job that she probably worked really hard at to climb the ladder and get where she was and having to give that up understandably to care for her child in the hospital probably inspired a lot of what um, the layers of this book and the different aspects, even the mothers who were happy to be home struggled with how much they had given up in their identities to be mothers. And yeah, so it was really interesting. I bet that probably had a lot to do with the Mm -hmm. confident had a lot to do with this book. Yes. Sam, do you want to dig into the characters? I do. Um, So I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but I got a a desperate housewives feel to it. So that's what like in my mind, I'm imagining like, you know, the desperate housewife series is what I had in my mind. Um, so we talked about, you know, it's four suburban families. They live in this, um, it's called like the up and coming neighborhood. And where, where was it at? Did it say where it was set at? Was it California? Was it, I don't know if I remember where it was set I don't at. remember. I don't think there was an actual city name. Yeah. I don't recall. I don't it. think they oh, said. Okay. Smart move on her part to leave that out because okay. I didn't think about the climate. I didn't yeah. think about the city. I didn't think about life there. I thought about nothing related to that. And that's probably why she left it out. I bet. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, very desperate housewives. That's what I kind of imag- imagined. Add to the list, Rosie. New word. Add to the talking discovery. <laughs> All righty. So characters. So I'm going to introduce these as as couples. So um, first up, we have Whitney and Jacob. Whitney, she yeah, she's a director at a at a, a PR firm, and she's hoping to be senior partner or open her own. Um, she's the breadwinner in the family. Her husband, Jacob, he's an art sales. Um, he basically helps buyers find paintings for their homes. Um, and he's not super great at it, as we understand. Um, Whitney, she's very self-absorbed. Um, describes, you know, this is how she actually describes herself as always wanting more. Um, they do have the nicest house on the block. Um, they have a son named Savior, and they also have a twin son and daughter. 
Um, Whitney, she's she's one of those that doesn't really want to be a mom. Um, she is a mom, obviously, to three children. Um, but most of the time, she's in a tense relationship with her son, Xavier. He has behavior issues. Um, and she really has lack of patience when it comes to raising kids. Um, one night, and this is really the premise of the story, one night, um, their son, Xavier, he falls out of his bedroom window, which causes head trauma, um, puts him in a coma. And a lot of the story is around the events that led up to, to him falling out the window and, and what happened after that. Now, do you guys want to dig into Whitney and Jacob before I go into more? And, and not dig in, but I feel like I want to say she's the rage mom. That's how I deemed her in my character list. Like, she's a rage mom. Whitney rages. When she, she often, and that's how she describes herself as well. Like, she'll lose her patience, the anger takes over, and she goes into full-on rage mode. Primarily towards Xavier, the oldest 10-year-old. And I, I also wanted to say, it's not that she didn't want to be a mom because she she said she started feeling the pull when she noticed other women having children as you tend to do around your 30s. You know, everyone else is doing it. You're like, oh, do I want to? And she wanted to be a mother so that she wouldn't regret it later on. Um, and she was intrigued that the women were having children and that being treated as an accomplishment. And so she was intrigued by that. So I wouldn't go so far as to say she didn't ever want to be a mother, but she wanted to, I think, tackle that in her list. Like, oh, I can do this too. Mm. That's how I. But I wouldn't her. say I wouldn't say but that she means she wants to be a mom. I wouldn't say that means she wants to be a mom. She just wanted to accomplish another thing. She wanted to have something else on her right. resume of I accomplished this. I can tackle that. I can do that. It wasn't ever that she ever had the yearning and the longing to actually be the mom who stays at home, the mom who does you know, the caretaking right. and does all that. She just wanted to have another tick on her box of accomplishments. So I would not put that as saying she wanted to be a mother in the same sense that I think the rest of us might have stated that. It's a little differently. Well, I think, and maybe to your point, Rosie, she did want to when she got pregnant. So she did make a decision to get pregnant. They decided that that was going to be good for her and Jacob. And it wasn't honestly until she actually pushed the baby out. I mean, it was like the same day. She realized, wait, maybe this isn't for me. Um, now, I don't know why she kept trying, but or kept, you know, got pregnant again and had twins. But um, I think it was more of she thought that's what she wanted until now we have this baby. Like, you can't put them back like she talks about. You can't just put your kid back um, once they're out. Like, you got to deal with it, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And it was it was scary when I would relate to her sometimes mm -hmm. as being a rage mom. Cause I think we've all been there, you know, we just like, mm -hmm. particularly cause we're all working mothers. And I would say the time when I rage is when I'm trying to juggle it at one time. If yes. my kid's home and I'm working or mm -hmm. I, it's been a stressful day, I'm in a lot of deadlines or something like that's when I rage. And so it was scary for me to actually identify with Whitney because in this book, I just feel like she's horrible. Like you don't want to be the one that relates to her, but I mean, it's hard if you're a boss bitch and you're trying to be a mother. And at the end of the day, you know, your kid's irritating and you want to be a good mom, but you can't because you're fucking annoyed by them because you've had this atrocious day, you know, ruling, ruling your, your job, you know, and then you come here and you expect it to be one way and it's not. So I think that's where she, she really failed as a mother. She, she didn't do it well. I, I, I think she didn't adjust well. I think to give Whitney some credit, and kind of how, how I think we majority, how we relate to her, 
is because in Whitney's work life, she had to be cutthroat. I think most women in the workplace have to be cutthroat. You have to work your ass off. You have to be, to a degree, aggressive and take control and be in a leadership position if you want to be successful in your line of work. But we're supposed to flip that switch and become the doting housewife <laughs> and careful mother, you know, the second we come in and, you know, oh, you're boo-boo, ouchie, you know, but like seconds ago, you know, you were making really important decisions. And so I think it's difficult to balance sometimes. And um, But Roseanne, after, I mean, I'm around you a lot as a mother. You are not a rage mom. You get overstimulated oh, like thanks. all everyone does. You're not a rage mom. Whitney was an absolute rage mom. Like I can never see you. Um, I can never see you the way Whitney would describe certain situations with Xavier that would not happen in your home. So you can relate to her, but you're not a rage mom like Whitney was. Like when I say (laughs) rage mom, I mean like Whitney was like, you know, I think she was like a hairpin away from physically hurting her children at any given time. You know, like if postpartum had gone just a step farther for her, like she might've rage killed one of her kids. Maybe, who knows? I might take that out, but that. yeah. <laughs> maybe something, <laughs> maybe a little pillow, maybe maybe some Verity action, you know, those who read Verity. Um, yeah. Who knows? I know. But then she had, you know, then she had the really soft moments yeah. in the ho- in the hospital room with Xavier when she was laying in bed with him, smothering him in kisses, you know? So there was, you could see parts of her start to come out. Um, mm-hmm. well, I think as she was faced with the fact that like, this is what it feels mm-hmm. like to genuinely care about something that is possibly about to be taken away from you. And I don't think she ever felt that much love for her child upon birth. And some women experience that. Some women don't bond with their children right away or sometimes not even at all, honestly, which is sad because one of the great mm-hmm. joys of motherhood is bonding with your child. Mm-hmm. So I think just when she was faced with the fact like, oh, my God, this could be taken away from me. She was like, oh, my God, I do love him. You know, and then she was just literally thinking about everything she did his entire life and all the things that she did wrong. And I did feel bad for her with that struggle. But at the same time, she just made a, wrong, a, a lot of wrong choices. <laughs> <laughs> she did. Mm-hmm. And Whitney was a serial cheater. I have that on my private list as well about, about Whitney to say, um, Whitney was a serial cheater. Well, and I think that's a part of, of, of her self-absorbedness, mm. um, is that she wanted to feel wanted. Mm. Um, you know, she, she's like, you know, I, I, I may be a mom, but most moms don't do what I do. You know, they don't get freaky like I do and, and cheat and, and, you know, have this little secret life. Um, she, she really honestly prided herself in getting that affection from, from other men, even though, you know, we didn't talk a lot about Jacob. Jacob was a very doting husband. The way he was described, he was very, you know, lovable towards her, always touching her, always being there for her. Um, and that was not, still not good enough for, for Whitney. Um, you know, just none of it. You know, there wasn't any bad thoughts about Jacob. Like Whitney never said anything he really did negative. Can I make a small thought about Jacob? I thought maybe he was actually potentially gay throughout this story. Did anyone else gather that from him a little bit? Like he traveled a lot. He, he was, was gone well at dressed. art shows. And he liked art. He was, he was very, very well dressed. He was not overly affectionate in any other kind of way other than just your typical like, I don't know. I just felt like his stuff was very 
like it was more of a sh- like a like a presence like it was a show of sorts and he was like the arm candy on the on the boss woman and went off and did his own thing a lot and they just but they made a partnership that worked but it was never really more of a like I don't the know. true affectionate like love maybe he knew like knew i think Whitney? he knew and he was do you do you- yeah that's how that's what i, I actually had that yeah. as one of my questions if you guys thought jacob knew mm-hmm. she cheated on him yeah i don't i don't know so not? so a lot of if your wife's that big of a whore <laughs> right <laughs> you gotta get it you have to remember a lot of his travel whitney planned it intentionally she would book him multi-day yep. trips to go to these galleries she booked a lot of that because she wanted time away from him so she could live her cheating lifestyle um and he liked to watch her from across the room. Remember that little bit that uh, mm-hmm. we heard from Blair's perspective? We'll talk about that in a second. But there, you know, so he was a bit of, he, you know, you know, there was a little bit of oomph to their relationship. I think that Whitney got to, I just think it wasn't enough for Whitney. She described herself as always wanting more. I think Jacob was a perfectly fine husband. Mm-hmm. She just could not stop herself. She wanted more constantly. And I think there's, yeah. A lot of people out there like that. We all know someone at least, you know, who who experiences that kind of craving for dick. Imagine, yeah, just imagine wanting dick that much that like multiple dicks. You have to cheat on your husband multiple times. Out in like, the shed. fucking exhausting. Kicking your kids towards yeah, I'm the sorry. side. You're a 40 year old mother and you're a boss bitch. Like yeah. who has time to fuck multiple men? <laughs> much less one, honestly. Like, well, she would do it on conferences yeah. is what it's like. One of the stories she describes is like, a, you know, yeah. she would pick them up randomly, you know. She wasn't building relationships with these people. It was strictly animal, as she would call it. It was just she had this need, this desire to just – she had to – that was her release. That was what she did to feel like a woman again or feel what she needed in that moment was to get it out, which is no different than – I mean, yes, it's a woman that we're hearing doing this, but men do this all the damn time it's just that we're hearing the internal dialogue of a woman who's voicing it something we never voice and we're hearing somebody doing it and finding enjoyment out of it which is kind of very different from what we women are allowed to speak about or talk about or acknowledge about ourselves and she didn't give a shit and did it that's what that's the difference and for us we think it's so taboo we just don't talk about it we don't think about it and she was very open about it in this story that's one of the things i loved about ashley's writing is as we start digging into all the characters, each of them had these like very deep, dirty thoughts that I think all of us probably think at some point in our life. And we just never say it out loud. We don't actually talk about it or speak it. And she did. And I thought that was really kind of unique about the way that she wrote for each of these characters. Every single one of them had a dirty little secret or a dirty little thought that they would voice throughout the story. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, because it's not just about writing what someone's doing in their day-to-day. She was writing the internal thoughts. So she had to kind of tap into multiple mm-hmm. different types of personalities and what they would. Yeah, so it was, it was impressive how she did that. Yeah. I was, I was like thinking mm-hmm. as I was reading this Very book, much. like, damn, it's hard to write that deep kind of mm-hmm. from each person's perspective. That's not just developing one character. That's deeply developing a bunch of them. So, yeah, she does a really good job at that. And she did that really well in the push, too. Um, Sam, you need to read it. We're going to have to insist. Yeah. I know. I know. Mm -hmm. Insisting. Yes. Mm -hmm. She deeply, I mean, like Stephanie just said, she developed each character so well that you can very clearly distinguish between all of them. And they're so well-rounded. I mean, it's, 
She did so good. A lot of books have a tendency to not really develop a character enough for you to want to care about them or have any thoughts or feelings or emotions about them. Every single one of these characters you think about, you feel, you want to side with, you have a, you feel a little part of them. It's, she did a very good job of doing that. Well, the, the women, not the men in the book, because yeah. we didn't get their perspective. But every woman you got, every every matriarch in each family, right. you got their perspective. Yeah, but the and I thought that was important. I just wanted to note that because we don't ever get male perspective in these stories. And there's a couple of men who play a part, correct? And you only see them from the female perspective, which she can be a little jaded. Sometimes. It's another interesting take. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we've got Whitney and Jacob. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Next up is Blair and Aiden. So uh, Blair, Blair and Aiden, they got married young. They have one daughter named Chloe. Um, Blair, um, I know we talked about this being a scenario. Blair had quit her job. So she did have a, what was she doing before? Was she in marketing? She was in marketing. Yeah, that's what I was confused about. Um, okay. Whitney, but yeah, Blair was in All marketing right. for sure. Um, so Blair actually went to school. She got a degree. She went into marketing. She had a great job. Um, but when she got pregnant with Chloe, she had that pool. She had that desire that that nobody could raise her kid as good as her. Um, and she basically let being a stay-at-home mom consume her. That is all she did. Um, in fact, one of the descriptions we have on here, she's the kind of woman that cleans the washing machine on Wednesdays, um, which... Does anybody clean their washing machines? I feel like I need to do that. I now. didn't know I had to. Samantha, I didn't do that. I'm like, I, I, I do. I do. Of course you I do. do. <laughs> Once a month, I put a cleaner thingy in and I run a clean cycle. It's, but you don't like, r- like wash the basin? Like she like washes the I basin. I do. Oh. No, there's I, I there's do. cleaners. Because my kids are disgusting. Well, yeah. So, okay. Um, we live near the beach. And so there's always freaking sand and shit in my washing machine. And it makes me so angry. So I have to take a towel and wipe out the inside and I run a special cleaner thing through it that's made for your type of washing machine. Okay. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, they do make cleaners. Um, but that was Blair. She was a stay-at-home mom. She loved it or for a while she loved it. She loved taking care of Aiden. Um, she let it consume her. But as we progress in the story, it started to take its toll on her and she's starting to realize that she's, she's losing herself some along the way. Um, Aiden, he does work. He sells security software. I couldn't remember what it was, but I'm pretty sure he sells security software. Um, So we mentioned Blair is a bored housewife, and she's also somewhat obsessed with her neighbor, Whitney. Um, She had a bad habit. As you notice, everybody's got little secrets and habits and vices. Um, Her bad habit, her vice, was letting herself into Whitney's house um, when no one was there and snooping around. Um, And I know we're going to get to some of that weird, weird shit she did. Um, she is convinced throughout this book that her husband Aiden is having an affair after finding a little piece of foil package that she believes is a piece to a condom wrapper, um, and a key in the back of Whitney's drawer to Aiden's office. Um, you can't really blame her though, because the way that Aiden is portrayed, he is a a hound dog. Like, yes, he loves his wife. Yes. He loves his daughter, Chloe. He's involved with them. Um, but he is a hound dog. He's got a very wondering eye, always has a lookout for attractive women. Um, and you know, did we already say he's a cheating bastard? Not yet. No. Oh, well, he's okay. He's a cheating bastard. So he's a cheating bastard. (laughs) And you know what? Like you didn't, I didn't want Aiden to be a cheating bastard. I wanted her to be wrong about him and Whitney and she was wrong about him and Whitney. So Blair for a period believes that Whitney, because she finds the key in the room, um, cause she's snooping through Whitney's house and finds it in her nightstand, this key to Aiden's office and assumes they're having an affair. And then when she finds out that, that, well, I guess we internally find out that they weren't. How did we find out? I don't remember any of that. Anyways. 
Because Whitney, end, Whitney says she Whitney. saw the girl right. pull into their driveway and she was looking like she was about to go knock on the door and be like, hey, I'm fucking your husband. And Whitney stopped her and took the That's key. right. So you kind of find out like in the same moment, it's not Whitney, but damn it, he is cheating with someone else. Right. That's right. You find out yeah. hand in hand right there in that moment. Yeah. And it was kind of, it was a bummer. I didn't want him to be cheating. I'm tired of that like I also line. felt like, yeah, yeah that storyline is old. But, but you know what? Unfortunately, it is a very real storyline that happens a lot. And so I feel that's why we keep hearing about it, yes. but which is why I was saying the whole fact that Whitney is the cheater, which is, you know, I mean, it's an unusual situation because it's usually the tables are always turned. Mm-hmm. Um, I do in this moment when Whitney does confess or, or explains the situation of how and why she has the key of Aiden's in her drawer when she confronted this woman, it does kind of give you a glimpse of, Hey, Whitney's not an absolutely horrible individual. She mm-hmm. was trying to protect her friend. So she does generally have parts of her where she does care for other people, mm-hmm. not just herself. And I, so I thought that that was a small tick for, for Whitney and her and herself. I just, I thought that was something to, to mention a little commendable moment for her. Agreed. In fact, I thought that same thing, Vanessa, when I read that part of the book, it was like, cause she was describing how, this girl who was like some friend at a party, we'll get into it in a minute, but you know, the, the story opens with a party in Whitney's backyard and this girl that Aiden ends up cheating with comes to the party with someone else's friend. That's how he meets her at this neighborhood backyard. His family is there. That's where he meets this girl. He ends up cheating for a couple of months. I guess it was, um, I don't know. We didn't really find out how long, but at least once long enough to give her a key to his room, I guess his office. Anyways. Um, she described this woman coming to the house and knocking on the door and having, you know, the sweet housewife kind of droop when she finds out who this girl is and what she's there for. Like Whitney was picturing that happened to her friend and didn't want that experience for her. So she did get a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. And she even acknowledged, she was like, I, you know, recognizing the irony in the situation that as she walks into her house, she's the one doing that to her, her partner and family, but she's still, mm-hmm. You know, and and it was, you know, Blair, that was one of the reasons Blair struggled with Whitney because she thought she was the one sleeping with her husband. But really, um, and the only reason she Mm -hmm. thought that was because of the damn key. She had that there from the mistress. Mm -hmm. So it was a, it was a nice little twist there where you might assume one thing, but because you're not having open communication, you miss the whole story. Right. And also Whitney was jealous of Blair and how Blair was such a good mother. Mm-hmm. There was times in the book where, you know, she was like, um, she'll watch Blair with her children, how she just like, she'll um, squat down to eye level and have a conversation. She'll speak to her child in full sentences. And I was like, you know what? I, I strive to be like that. You know, I try and make a conscious effort sometimes to, to do that. So Whitney was jealous of how good of a mother Blair was. So that does prove that she, she did want to be a good mother. She just didn't have it in her. And even at the hospital where we think that when Whitney says, I can't see you right now when she's talking to Blair, we think it's because she was fucking her husband. But I think it was because she was so deep in her thoughts that I can't see you right now because you're such a good mother. And I know you would never be in this position. So she was making just the mere sight of Blair and all of her perfect goodness was just too much for Whitney to bear in that situation. Yeah. Well, and and what really bothered me about Blair, if I may, Vanessa, what really bothered me about Blair is that, you know, Whitney, for her her vices, she was still real. Like, she was who she was. It just, that that was the way she was. And Blair, I feel like, was very conniving because, um, 
you remember whenever she, um, well, obviously she thought that her husband was cheating with Winnie, so that really upset her. Um, but whenever she starts texting that group chat and trying to stir up shit, like that just shows the kind of friend that Blair was. Because as soon as she thought something was going south, like she turned on her, you know, supposedly her best friend, you know, Whitney and Blair were best friends. Um, and I just thought that was really dirty the way that she just turned and was just, just started trying to stir up shit just to, to make Whitney look bad. Um, I just thought it was interesting. Well, because it was so her that was because of her daughter. Yeah, she was being a protective mom in that moment. Oh, she, she thought was trying her to daughter get the light off her was going to get a, so. Yeah, so okay. so in the story, okay. their um, their daughter um, she confesses that there's a moment on the playground where she tells she tells Xavier, you know, no one would care if you just disappeared and just like weren't here anymore um, and just died or whatever. And so, and that was the day the the day before he falls from the window. And so Blair thinks that there's, it's going to come back that her daughter is the reason that, and in her mind, she thinks Xavier threw himself from the window and tried to kill himself. He didn't want to be a part of the world. He thought nobody loved him. He didn't have a belonging. And she thought that this poor little kid who's 10 years old threw himself from the window and killed himself because her daughter started it. And so this was her way, Blair's way of trying to, yes, she understood that this was her friend, but at the same time, she also thought this friend was doing that. So it was okay if her friend had the fall to take away this fear of her daughter being accused of the one who convinced this kid to kill himself, because that's even worse. So Mm -hmm. Blair had a, wasn't just to get at Whitney for cheating on her husband. It was because she was really afraid of what would happen to her daughter being the reason for it. And actually, at the time the text was sent, this is right after, and I'm not going to give this away because we haven't talked about the twist yet, but this is right after she left the hospital after visiting and kind of peeked through the door and saw the special visitor mm-hmm. in the room with Whitney. So she sent, that, right. she sent that text after she walked across the street thinking she was going to tell Jacob that his wife was having an affair. Um, so then she went back and sent that text. So yes, it probably was to protect Chloe, Maybe there's a little bit of a feminine dig there too. I don't know. Um, you know, something of just like, you know she what, Whitney's not yeah. so perfect after all, isn't she? You know, and she's kind of, because she had a different text mm-hmm. drafted, then she deleted it and sent one that was a little bit more, there was an incident with Whitney. It started with, there was an That's accident right. with her son and it turned into, there was an incident with Whitney and her son were all very shaken up, Chloe especially. And it's important to note that Chloe and Xavier were best friends. They walked to school together mm-hmm. every day. Xavier was 10. Chloe was seven. I was a little bit surprised that they would be on a playground, like hanging out together. Cause that is, I feel like that's an age gap. that's like hard to bridge for a boy girl, but Xavier was bullied. He was like a standalone kid. He was not, he didn't have a big friend group. He had Chloe. That was it. Chloe was more outgoing, had more friends, but Xavier was her best friend. And I think it was one of those situations probably where Chloe was like pressured into being a bully, you know, like in order to stand up and look good with her friends, she had to be mean to the weird kid even though outside of school, they were actually best friends, play chess together, all that good stuff. So it was kind of like just a little, mm-hmm. and we know that happens in school all the time. I know we've probably all seen it happen to a kid, you know, in our own school years. Yeah. Fun, yeah. Well, it's not, it's none of it's funny, but if you guys remember the way that Chloe, whenever Blair finds out that Chloe said something to Xavier before he, he, falls out the window. Um, she says, she's like, you know, and, and keep in mind, Chloe, we didn't really describe her well. Yeah, she's seven. She's the, the child of Blair and Aiden. Um, she's a real good kid, very well behaved. Like that's all you hear them remark on is how sweet she is. She's a very loving kid and just effortlessly a great kid. Um, and so whenever 
Chloe tells her mom what she said to Xavier. It's like, honestly, she sounds like a little demon. Did you guys catch that? Like when she was like, oh, so I can't tell him that who cares if you die? No one will care or something like that. I'm like, wow. Like where did, where did she even get that from too? So it just goes to show you that, you know, you know, you know, Blair, she's with Chloe all day long and still, you know, kids come up with some, some crazy stuff. Um, And to your point, the bullying, like probably there was some, something to it, you know, on the playground. Um, She was just trying to, to fit in. Um, they talk about her laughing at everyone laughing, you know, at him. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's just interesting. I found it interesting too the, how outside of the children, but how the women each, how they perceive each other, like, and, and how jealous they are of each other's. And it's the same thing that the other one wishes they were better at. So like Blair wishes she had the beauty and the ability to have a life and the career and do the things that Whitney does and the carefree personality that she is. And then Whitney wishes she could be half a mom that Blair, that she thinks Blair is um, and vice versa. And rec- and then we have, you know, coming up the others who just wish that they could be even half of what any of them are because they just can't even have it. So there's, a, I find it, it's amazing how each of these characters all, wish they could be something else from the other, even though none of them want to be anything other than what they are. So we as women, I think we all do that anyway. And I, I love that, that she pointed that out in this story and brought it out in each character um, of how jealous we, we as women tend to be of each other because we always think that something is better than what we all have. Mm-hmm. That we're not good enough. Someone else is doing it better or like. We're not good not- enough. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know what would fix that? If women just didn't have to fucking work. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. Women could be. women couldn't work. What happened here? You know? Yeah, right? I know. Who stood for these rights? Like, fuck them. Let's burn them at the stake. <laughs> fuck this. Oh, God, Rosanne. Yeah, like, who fought for these women's rights? Fuck these civil them. rights. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I loved... Blair how she uh, there's a quote she said actually um that she she wanted she was annoyed at how her husband easily floats through life as if he doesn't have a care in the world and it it always cracks me up how imagine being a husband you're like one day oh babe I'm out of toothpaste or you know and then magically you have toothpaste it's like, like that's what we do as women our minds are constantly whirling and so I love that she made it a point to say that like his ease of floating through life without all the stuff. She's like, no, I want him to, his head to hit the pillow. I want his head to spin with all the things he has to do the next day. Like I, I totally relate to that because that is me in a nutshell. I have the worst time letting go. I even talked about this on our Mm -hmm. trip. Like I have the hardest time just like relaxing sometimes. And it's because I just have, I, I can't seem to like compartmentalize like, Oh, let me worry about this tomorrow. It's like, I worry about it all, all the time. Because you have so much to do as, and you feel like you have to do them all now or pre-think about how to do it, you know? So I feel like, you know, I, I did relate with her very well on that level. Um, and I felt bad with how, um, how kind of weak she was mm-hmm. when she thought Aiden was cheating on her. You know, she was like, um, don't throw me away, you know, keep me you know, throw the other girl away, but still keep me around, you know, even knowing she suspected he was cheating. I mean, yeah, she had the wrong girl, but she knew. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know, it makes me angry with myself, like how weak I am thinking about it. But at the same time, that's what happens with a lot of women 
faced in a cheating situation, for one, they blame themselves. They're like, well, I should have been a better this, this, that, you know? So I felt for her in that, in that way too. Mm -hmm. And breaking up a marriage is a big decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a big choice. It is. So it's like, do I swallow it? Do I let this one ride? Do I put my foot down? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do I be better at this and that and, and hope he does better? So, you know, she struggled with all those things herself, too. Yeah. There was a bit, too, about, um, I guess it was Whitney's mom that always kept the bus ticket, right? Or was it Blair's mom? Which one was it? It was Blair's mom. Blair's mom, right? Yeah. So Blair's mom always kept a bus ticket on her, which was a, a anytime, anywhere, a national bus ticket. She could get on a bus and she kept it on her person at all times. And it was like her escape. If she ever, like if she kept it on her just in case family life ever became too much. And in Blair's mom's defense, her husband was a cheating pig. We learned he would actually take his daughter on his cheating excursions, make her sleep in the car while he was out banging bitches. Um, and, generational curses they follow you through and Blair did not want to end up in that kind of situation and lo and behold that's exactly where she landed with a man who was out cheating on her sucking the life out of her because she described her mother losing her light after so many years because she's with a man who was cheating on her repeatedly the relationship just like killed her mother um and then just Blair just unfortunately fell right into the same circle um and she didn't have a bus ticket, but she did go look at apartments. Like she kind of explored what life would feel like if she confronted Aiden about his cheating. And she kind of made a conscious decision. Like my life is good. I don't want to rock the boat. And she made that decision like verbally, like we heard her do it. She flushed the condom and decided you know, like, it's not worth ruining the marriage over. Um, and I just, I don't just suck. She was in that position to begin with, to have to decide between wrecking her family or, um, you know, it wasn't because she didn't make those decisions. Someone else did. And she just had to deal with the aftermath. Right. You had to deal. She had to deal. She knew early on Aiden was a hound dog. Yeah. She knew before they ever Correct. were together officially. She And she still chose to make that decision. And I don't know if that's because of her mother and just what how she was raised. And she just thought that that was just how men are maybe. maybe. But she knew before anything ever happened, that this was the life she was choosing to do because she had already invested X amount of time and she was ready to move on with her life. And she just, this was who she was going to go with. And this was it. This is as good as it's going to get, which is really, really sad. Ladies, just a heads up. You are worth more and you should know your worth. Sorry, but you should. And that is, that sucks. Sorry, Ness. Um, well, and, and Aiden did something that so many men do, or even women do in this situation when they're caught, as he turned it around on Blair and made her feel crazy and said, I'm not your father, even though literally he was doing the exact same thing, except just not taking Chloe with him on his, and on his escapades. Um, but he did. He made her feel crazy, dumb. He and, and that's and and we've all okay. Let's we've all approached our husbands about something we thought was happening, whether it was cheating or it was whatever. And you know that feeling, your heart's pounding, and you're like, okay, what are they gonna say? And then that regret after you say it, when you realize, wow, I'm dumb as shit. Like, why did I think that? You know. Um, so like, I really I felt all those moments with her of going through that, of finally approaching him about it. And and keep in mind, this had been eating at her for for weeks, right, or months. Like she had this inkling suspicion ever since she saw that little bitty condom corner of what she thinks we still don't know I still it probably was a condom wrapper um but it was just it was just eating at her when she finally approached him he just really honestly 
blasted her um, and made her just feel crazy to even think that, even though, you know, based on the title of the book, The Whispers, the whispers were all around her telling her. Um, and she even knew. She's like, I'm going to hear them and then I'm going to ignore them. So, you know, to Stephanie's point, she made a conscious decision to to ignore the whispers. Mm-hmm. Whether the foil was from a condom or not, I think it was a tangible, something physical in her hand that was telling her that was corroborating what her gut was telling her. And that's what the whispers are. It's your gut. It's your intuition. It's your instinct. Women have it very strong. I can't speak for man. I'm not a man, so I don't know what it's like for them. But um, I know us women, we feel fucking everything. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, the, the whispers is just your women's intuition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in a way I felt bad for Blair that she was portrayed as weak Mm -hmm. because when you're faced with a decision in a cheating situation, it's like, it's ultimately up to you. You're the one in that moment who decides, do you wreck your family or do you swallow it? And that's a tough position to be in. And then, so the women are always portrayed as someone weak when really they're making a, a really ultimate decision. I feel like, because the one decision's already been made by the cheater you know, and so it's up to them like, okay, well, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm the I'm the final decision. And that is a heavy decision. It's not a weak decision. And ultimately, you have to be the stronger person to even say that, okay, I'm going to swallow this and do it. So, and, and this is a topic we could probably go on and on with. And I'm sure every woman you talk to will have these same decisions. But, you know, you've got kids, you've got a house, you've got your whole life thrown in the mix like it's not a weak decision you're not weak if you swallow it it's a big decision and it's personally up to you whether you like you know how you how you roll with it i feel like it's a very sacrifice yeah sacrifice it's a sacrificing it's another sacrifice that a woman makes in her life right yet again yes for a man or for her family or for the life that she has, whatever it is. It's just another another thing that a woman does in her life is the mm-hmm. sacrifices. Am I willing to swallow my pride? Am I willing to accept this? Am I willing to let it lie to make this still a thing, to make this family still work, to do this for my daughter, to do this for my son, to do this for the whole, you know, whoever they think that they need to be doing it for or for themselves. Is this something I'm willing to give up on because of all the things I've already done? Is it worth it? I don't know. I mean, that's a, just another sacrifice that women choose to do or choose to make in their life. I think you should still put Pepper in his coffee though. hundred percent. Oh yeah. Or no, the drops yeah. of Visine, you know, give him the shit. Yeah, fuck him up. <laughs> Talk about whenever you can. Give him IBS when he's going on his date, you know? Yeah, no, like, 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 if you just, decide to sure. stay, like, I, I get it. If you're staying in your marriage, I get it. But he should be physically punished in some sort of a way. And women yeah. are passive aggressive. Sure. We, or just, we primarily poison, right? Like, that's the primary way a woman kills somebody yeah. is by poison. So you don't have to poison him per se, but you should punish him with pepper in his coffee. At least. Or just, like, for the rest of their life. They have got to just like serve you like the queen god that you are. Because you are like yeah, ass. like I think like, <laughs> yeah. If he's not like bowing down to you every day, mm-hmm. regardless of whether the woman stays or not, it, it, she's even if she stays, she knows it's not. She knows she didn't deserve it. She knows it's not. She's worth more than that, and you stay for the reasons you stay. But 
But like, you know, for guys, whatever reason you stay in your relationship, uh, you know, your worth. And so maybe just, just do something a little bit to, um, just to punish him because, uh, you did nothing wrong, boo boo. It's the man. Yeah. Always. Mm -hmm. It's the man. Use the last of the toilet paper. Don't replace for it. For sure. And, don't, and <laughs> when he calls for it, don't. Pull a Mara. You don't hear him calling you. Pretend like you don't right? hear. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the back doing laundry. <laughs> didn't hear you. Were you dying on the kitchen floor? My bad, dude. Yeah. No, Mara, honestly. Oh, we haven't gotten into her yet. Yeah. We're going to get to her no, in a minute. Let's, let's move on through our characters. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. We back. can get off Blair. Yeah. Yes. Back on Wisteria Lane, we've got Rebecca and Ben. <laughs> um, so whoever put this was ruthless. I think this was Stephanie. She's a childless woman struggling with infertility. I'm like, poor lady. She but, was. But Rebecca, I know she was. I know. So Rebecca, uh, Rebecca is a trauma doctor in the ER. Ben is a teacher. Um, but strangely, which we can dig into this, strangely took a leave of absence last year. And now he's working as a consultant for a friend for a software firm. Um, Rebecca and Ben, they are childless, as mentioned, but they have tried many, many times to get pregnant um, on one of their first dates. That's what they agreed on immediately was that they were going to have kids. So it was never a thought that they weren't um, until they tried to start having kids. Um, and after five miscarriages, Ben finally has told Rebecca that he does not want to to try anymore uh, when really that's all that Rebecca wants. Um, so that's a big plot throughout this book, which I know we'll get into, um, which leads into some some other bad choices that were made by people. Um, I'm going to go ahead and hop into Mara and Albert, if that's all right, mm -hmm. just to get through some more characters. Okay, cool. Um, so Mara and Albert, um, Mara and her husband, or Mara, is it Mara? Mara. 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 Mara and her husband, Albert, um, they're immigrants from Portugal. Um, they do live in the same uppity neighborhood as everybody else, but they're much older. They're in their 80s. Um, and they don't live, they live in the, the old school version of the neighborhood. They don't live in the uppity version of the neighborhood. Um, but Mara is always watching. She's kind of your typical old lady on the front porch, always has an eye on the neighborhood. Um, Let's see. Um, Mar and Albert, they had a son named Marcus, who who a lot of the people in the neighborhood don't really know that they had kids or that they had a son. Mar and Albert had a son named Ma um, Marcus. He passed away um, when he was at age 16. Uh, Marcus was a troubled boy, which does tie a lot into Xavier and I think why she's so interested in Xavier's life. It reminds her of, of her son that she lost. Um, her husband, because Marcus was, I'll just call him special, her husband was ashamed and very verbally abusive towards the son, um, which led to a very strained relationship with them. Um, and, and at one point in the book, uh, Mara's husband dies of what seems to be a heart attack on the kitchen floor. Okay, so can we back up to Rebecca and Ben? Let's do it. Yes. How hard do we want to go? Rebecca. I know, I know. Rebecca was one of my favorite characters in this book. Um, she was like, she was innocent in all of this. And I feel like was a truly decent person. Um, and her only, you know, everyone had a secret in this story, pretty much. Majority, you know, except for the children. But most of the adults had a secret, so to speak, in their lives. And Rebecca's was only that she hid her last pregnancy from her husband because they had experienced at this point four miscarriages. Um, and he had told her, I can't do this anymore. I can't go through another miscarriage. So she secretly got pregnant and was trying to get to a point in the pregnancy where she thought they would be safe to tell him. 
and poor Rebecca, unfortunately, ended the book with another miscarriage. Um, it, she was the only person in the book who truly, she was there for Whitney. She was the ER doctor whenever Xavier was brought in. She's the one who gave him, you know, who put the, the tubes in and saved it, you know, did the life-saving measures for him when he came into the ER. She held Whitney's hand and was consoling her and was there for her um, and really was a stand-up individual. She, she saw Mara for who she was, you know, acknowledged that the trials and tribulations everybody in the neighborhood was going through. Um, and in the end, she was the one who I felt like I fucked over the worst throughout the whole story. Mm-hmm. Do we want to go into Ben? Agreed. In the... Um, I do want to say real quick that I liked how um, she talked about Rebecca and Ben's relationship. She said, they are childless, child-free, and so they have not yet been irrevocably changed like the rest of them. They probably still fuck once a day and enjoy it. And that, uh, I think not many people talk about how your relationship with your husband changes when you have a child. Um, It does. And... I liked how she just said that little sentence to let you know, like, hey, everyone else's relationships are different because they have children, but y'all's is still in this um, pre-child way. And I can't even describe it. I don't even know the words to describe the pre-child relationship. Maybe it's carefree or um, you're not strained by all the tasks that are involved in parenthood or you're not keeping track of, well, I did this today. What did you do? You know, that happens all the time. I think um, recently it was uh, Michelle Obama who said she hated her husband for like 10 years because she was keeping track of all the things she did and all the things he didn't. And I think that happens in marriages as well when you have a child. So I just wanted to say that um, Ashley did a good job in that just one little sentence of saying, how their relationship was different because they did not have children yet. And that was from the perspective of someone who was completely unaware of Uh, the struggle that the two of them had been experiencing for the last several years in an attempt. Cause it was what, three years, I believe that they were trying. And in that three years, they lost five children, five children, some that you could clearly she had, she could hold like they, that was, this was not just an early on miscarriage. These were, a full-blown child at this stage that she was losing. So this, that is a, a pain and a sorrow that I, I can't even comprehend that level of, of loss when you have buried and five of your children and, and not even gotten to bury all of them. Some you, she didn't even get to some, she never got to have that one. She kept in a, in the bottom drawer after she had it cremated. One was in her backyard the others were at a hospital, never to be seen again. I mean, that's that does something mentally and physically to people that I don't think is ever f- truly talked about enough. Even to Ben's credit, while I understand what he's doing in this story may not be a, right, like that was a bad choice that he chose to do. I feel like a lot of people have bad choices in this book, but that was very bad of him. But at the same time, he's suffering a loss too. Maybe not to the extent that Rebecca is, but he clearly longed to be a dad. He wanted it so much and he was battling the, I mean, he was losing something too every single time. I mean, that's, he was going through grief that, and never really got to experience the grief of each one before another one came along. So there was a lot of, I mean, that's a, that's deep sorrow that the two of them were just, 
not on the same page. And they were both just trying desperately to make this happy thing that everybody expected them to have that just was not working. And that's their relationship was a very difficult one for me to read about for sure. Mm-hmm. Didn't she keep a kid in the drawer? That was the cremated the fetuses. The cremated baby. Oh, okay. he was cremated. Okay. Yeah. So one, oh, okay. one of them, she was far enough along to have a, a, a C-section had to be performed and she, the baby was cremated. Um, right. But Rebecca, so we were talking about, you know, women who decide to stay right in the relationship, no matter what it costs them. Rebecca, now the book ended, so we don't know about the follow through. But Rebecca, even in the, in the throes of a miscarriage at the end of the book, is when she discovers mm-hmm. that one of the big twists of the book is that Ben, her husband, is actually the neighbor sleeping with Whitney. Not Aiden, like we're, we're led to believe throughout the whole book. We decide, we, we discover it's Ben. The day she finds out, the day she tells Ben she is pregnant and he is upset about her being pregnant is the day she finds out that he has been cheating on her with Whitney and it's the day she miscarries. And in the midst of her miscarriage at the ER, she tells him, go home and pack your bags. I am not doing this with you ever again. We're done. That's an example of somebody who was absolutely not going to continue in that relationship who... Um, but there was no children. Quite you know why it's right? easier? There's no children. You know, but to, to your point, though, Vanessa, about, you know, men going through infertility and what it's like for the, on the dad side of things, you know, because, um, you know, you know, Greg and I, it took us several years to have Bo and everyone always has a lot of sympathy for the mother in infertility situation. The woman I'll say, you know, mm-hmm. because she can't get pregnant and it's so hard, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and Ben in this relationship was the dad was the one who wanted children the most. Rebecca came into the idea because Ben wanted them so badly. So Ben, you know, has always wanted to be a dad and I'm not going to defend his decisions at all to cheat on Rebecca. It was wrong. I don't agree. I think you should end a relationship if you're not happy, yada, yada, all that good stuff. Um, but you know, he had to kind of grieve this loss of a family life he had expected to have with Rebecca and, wanted to stay with her. I don't know. It was a weird, it was a weird dynamic. I can't really truly understand why Ben cheated on her, but there is, you know, something to men not having the opportunity to grieve and process the loss because no one sees it. No one acknowledges it. No one, no one notices what a man is going through in a particularly situation because it's automatically assumed the woman is going to carry it harder than the man. And that's not true. You know, I have a firsthand experience. The men carry it just as hard. It feels like a loss for them. They can't defend. They can't protect their family in this situation. They can't make it better. Men are fixers and they can't always fix the situation. And so it's, it's you know, it's hard on them for, you know, the same reasons and different in, in all kinds of ways. And no one ever talks about that. Do you go out and cheat on your wife because of this? No, you do not. That's not okay. I think what happened with them was they lost a connection along the way. For Ben, I think that part of his reason why he found himself going towards Whitney was not necessarily for any other reason other than his relationship with Rebecca had become so like mechanical. Mm-hmm. Like they only had sex when she was, ob- I mean, she made a point to talk about mm-hmm. it. Like when the one time that she did want to have sex with him, she whispered, I'm not ovulating, but in reality she totally was. So his idea of his masculinity, his, his ability, Desi- like what him being desired by somebody else had been completely stripped from him. And it was strictly only about the mechanics of trying to have another baby, which kept ending over and over again in a horrible situation. So for him, his, the 
to be a man had been just completely just taken away from him in that moment. And so I feel like part, I feel like in that sense, maybe Whitney was actually preying on him maybe a little bit. Maybe she knew a little something. I'm not sure. Maybe he gave vibes. I can't tell, but I do definitely think that, that his reasons and all of that was a lot more complicated than just, I'm a dude and I just wanted to get my dick wet. Like it was a lot more than that. It was for him, there was a lot more emotion and, and mental, like just disturbance happening inside of him that caused him to fall for Whitney. And Whitney was a master cheater. Like she had been doing this for a long time. So she knew exactly the things to say and what to do and how to get you. And I think he was just so weak and so going through all of the grief and the loss and all that, that he was an easy prey for her. Yeah. And I think that's where I, I don't necessarily agree. Um, I feel like Ben, Ben cheated for a long time with Whitney and very brazenly with his neighbor across the street. So it sounds like he probably had experience doing this he did. Um, because, you know, they don't talk about it a lot, but whenever it shocked everybody, he was a school teacher for a while. And I don't remember what, what grade he taught, but he was a teacher and it shocked everybody when he decided to take a leave of absence. Like nobody understood why. Um, and that really stood out to me. I'm like, hmm, that's weird. It's Especially true. when you find out he's a cheater. I'm like, I wonder if there's more to Ben. And, and just, you know, and I, and I don't know if it's okay to get into it, but, you know, Ben Ben was with Whitney the night that Xavier comes out of the window. Um, and he honestly, he does struggle a little bit that night, but really he goes about life just normally after that. In fact, goes to the hotel room to see Whitney, even after everything is going on. Like he, there was clearly... Ben, Ben knew what he was doing. It, uh, sorry, the hospital. What did I call it? The hotel. Oh, wow. Hotel. Yes. Anyways, yeah. But he goes to the hospital to see Whitney. Um, even after all that happened, usually they, you know, that was your sign, dude. Like a kid fell out of the window. That was your sign to stop it. But he was still trying to pursue it with her. Um, so maybe there was more to, you know, Ben, he wanted to be with Whitney. But I definitely think he was a, maybe he was maybe. a serial cheater too. Did it say how long before he be- went for a leave of absence, though? Was that during the miscarriages? Because I can see why he might want to if he had lost five children during that span of time. I can see how being around other kids would be a difficult thing to do. It was towards the beginning of the book that they talked about that. Um, so maybe the fourth miscarriage. Rebecca implied okay. that it was so- probably because it was hard to be around the kids. Uh she, that's what she implied. Yeah. She talked about his leave of absence. Mm-hmm. So I could see and that. And many times yeah. she referred to the way she's feeling about kids and assumes he's feeling that same way. But really what he's thinking about is Xavier falling out the window. Like there were times where she thought, oh, he must be quiet because he's thinking about, you know, our kid, the kid that we could have had. But really what he's thinking about is, holy shit, like if Xavier does wake up and tell everybody what happened, like I'm screwed too. Um, so there was moments too, where like, again, like Ben was portrayed as this doting dad or not doting dad, but like a dad who wanted to, to have a kid, but really he, he was not a good guy. He really came out at the end as a, a big slime ball. Well, Edit. fuck Ben right now. Yeah. Fuck ben. Let's move on. But I would like to cheers to Rebecca. Cheers to Rebecca. Let's cheers Rebecca. Um, Rebecca. To Rebecca. To the true innocent gal. Yes. And to any... Mothers who have lost children yes. along the way. Yes. Cheers. Yes. Cheers. cheers. Speaking of. Okay. Mara. 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 Oh, Mara. She was a surprising character. Yeah. She was the elderly woman in the neighborhood that no one really paid attention to. Uh, 
she, you know, in her eighties, you know, wasn't hip and young, like everyone else in the neighborhood. And so she was for the most part, just kind of ignored, um, not necessarily in a mean girl kind of way, but just wasn't really, uh, but, but Mara was watching all the time. She sat on her porch, she sat in her garden, she lived right next door to Whitney and Mara very much so knew everything going on in the neighborhood just by watching the comings and going. She even had a line where it was like, you know, you'd be amazed at what you can see when people don't know, like don't acknowledge you, you know, what she was able to witness. Um, and her relationship with Albert, this was, it was probably one of the sadder stories to me was this, this whole storyline with her son, Marcus and her husband, Albert. Um, it was tough, you know, her son, I, we kind of tossed back and forth in the outline as we were prepping for this episode, whether we, he had autism or just severe anxiety, we, you're not, they don't, there was never any diagnosis. This has happened, you know, what was it? The seventies. I don't remember how the timeline, um, I definitely think that he had he was on the spectrum. And I say that because of the speaking, the way that he he would or would not speak or could not speak. He would whisper or he would only confide in one person. That's a that's a that's a thing. That's a very clear um that's one of the the things they kind of categorize is the ones that they tick off the thing. Do you have trouble communicating or is a communication issue check? I mean, that's one of the spectrum. But big kickers. But she, she does ask him at one point, can you tell mommy why you only speak to me? So what happened was around at age three or four, her son Marcus just continually stopped speaking to other people and was only speaking to Mara and only speaking to her in whispers. And he was very afraid of everybody and everything else happening around them. I personally feel like he had severe anxiety. I did not think he was autistic. That was not the impression I got. Um, because she asked him at one point, you know, can you tell mommy why you only speak to me? And he said to her, because I feel like I'm on a stage and everybody is watching me and they're all going to laugh at me. And to me, that just screamed. He just had severe anxiety. Anytime someone spoke to him or he heard loud noises, um, he just would shut down completely. He ended up having, sadly, at the age of 16, uh, a panic attack on an airplane when Mara wanted to fly him home back to Portugal to meet her family for the first time. Um, she scrimped and saved up enough money. He loved airplanes. She thought this would be the trip of a lifetime for him. And sadly, Marcus died of a panic attack there on the airplane um, at takeoff. So to me, I did not get the autistic vibe. To me, it was just severe anxiety magnified by his father's anger at the situation because his dad started off as good, loved Mara, loved having a son. But as he developed more anxiety or developed whatever whatever it was he was developing the dad pulled away would go a month at a time without seeing him and when he did see him he was just angry because of the situation he wanted to be able to have a son he was proud to take off and show his family uh but instead he had a son who would not speak to him and so he was just angry he was he he you know they moved the son to the basement and the dad never once saw his son's bedroom and she described at one point Marcus hiding in his room and just hearing his dad angrily stomp around upstairs and I just felt for him you know and and Marcus's anger. And then there was one point where the dad uh, went out drinking and came home and just completely lost his mind on Marcus. And that was, I actually teared up during that scene where Marcus ran to his room and, and Mara went in there and was trying to defend him and was covering his ears and holding him and yelling at her husband to stop. And he just would not stop saying these awful things to their son. That part broke my heart. I mean, it really did. Um, Part of me wanted Mara to pick up a bar stool and just crack him across the mm-hmm. face. That's what I wanted. And that's what I imagined myself doing. I tried to imagine like 
clutching Bo to my chest and Greg rampaging at him. And all I could imagine was myself physically attacking Greg. That's all I could think of. Like, I just couldn't imagine, you know, like it, it was, a, yeah, it was a, it was a powerful moment, unfortunately, in that story. And, and Marcus never spoke another word again after that night. And it was just a horrible story, which is very sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Mara, it was very and Mara lived with that guilt. She felt guilty about how he was raised, his father, the plane. I mean, she, she carried that. Another story of a woman who carried something so heavy um, for her entire life. And she stayed alive because she didn't want the memory of her son to die with her. So that was her inspiration and her motivation to stay alive every day was so somebody on this planet remembered her son because she was the only one who had a relationship with him. And that would really suck. We're all mothers. We all, you know, you have this, you know, you think your child is like, you want everyone to know them. You know, you, you can't imagine nobody knowing this magical being you've created. And poor Mara was alone in this world. It was just her and her son and nobody else. It was tough. Yeah. Well, and she talks about, honestly, the burden of that is, mm-hmm. You know, while she she loves her kid and she, you know, she thinks he's amazing, but it's a big burden on her that she that he relies on her for everything. And in fact, it does come to a head right as they're getting on the airplane. And we've all traveled before, like even without kids by yourself, it's stressful. Like, you know, you do you want to make sure you got your stuff right. Like if you're at the counter one second longer, you feel like everybody's watching you like it is stressful. And and then she's got this kid who literally he's just like a deer at headlights. Like that's how I imagine he's just dazed, doesn't even understand what's going on. Um, or can't really, you know, comprehend everything going on. Um, you know, and that's when she snaps is, is you know, I, I can't take it. Like, can't you just be a normal kid? Um, and that's something she has never said to him. And of course, you know, she says to him at that horrible time, but um, that just shows how strong she was, that she was able to deal with that for that long. And honestly, that was, that was the first time she ever snapped on him was that one time. I mean, I would have snapped lots of times. I mean, I, I snap <laughs> now and my kid is cool. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Could you imagine the, like the guilt that she must have felt like, because it was, it was her one time she was like, I haven't been home in 17 years. I really want this. This is something, this is the first selfless thing I'm, I'm or selfish thing I'm choosing to do for myself. I want to go. I want to show you off. I want to make you come with me. I want to go see my family. You're coming. I yelled at you to get onto the plane. I yelled about you not being normal before we got there. I, you know, this was all of the very selfish thing in her mind that she was doing. And in that moment, caused her son to have a panic attack, which caused him to ultimately have a heart attack and die, which is horrible. And I can't even imagine what she must have been feeling and how much she must have just killed herself on the inside every single day, knowing that that was, in her mind, her fault that this occurred. Mm -hmm. And not having anybody to like talk to like her and her husband had a horrible relationship. I can only imagine Mm -hmm. it went even more downhill after that, even though the dad was a jerk, Mm -hmm. he still cried when he found out his his son died. Um, You know, and even the, when he did die, the way they described it, I don't know if this was like a thing about immigrants or something, but like she didn't, like it was just so sad because she couldn't even be with him. Like they took her this way and took him this way. She never saw his body for two days. Like it was just, it was honestly, that was a very heartbreaking part. Um, It's just, that was horrible. Can you imagine knowing what's happening to your son Mm -hmm. and someone grabs you on an airplane and pins your arms behind you, smashes your face into the door and then sedates you. And you don't know you're not there when your son who has, whether it's anxiety or autism, whatever it was, he needed his mother. And in the moments when he died, he was surrounded by strangers, terrified and panicked. And his mom was being forcibly held against a door in an airplane and couldn't help him. 
I can't imagine what that was like. It's horrific. Horrific. That, that she even attempts, she has a moment after he has passed in a hotel bathroom where she has a steak knife and she's thinking about ending her life. And I can imagine all of that was running through her brain as she was, but that the motivation to stay alive, to, to preserve his memories, what kept her from doing it. But Mara tugged at my heart. So it kind of, not to that level, obviously, but it kind of reminds me of mom and how much she gave up and continues to give up. You know, not only did she raise us six children, but she now has a disabled husband at home who very much so needs her all the time. And mom is still running a very successful and busy tax and accounting firm. Mom stays on the go 24 seven. Um, and this little Alaska trip she took with you, Roseanne, was one of, you can probably count maybe on one hand, I don't know, maybe a second, not that I can really think, but maybe on one hand, how many selfless things mom has done for herself in her life. And that Alaska trip was one of them. Like that was like a come hell or high water. I'm going on this trip. Nothing is stopping me from getting in a helicopter, flying to a glacier. Like that's what happens when you pin a woman down for 40 something years she takes a helicopter to a glacier and dog sleds <laughs> like that's you know she also mom also made it a point to bring grandchildren yeah. like she wanted to experience it with uh, like so it wasn't and i feel like that's uh, like mar mar could have gotten on a plane any moment of the day and flown to go see her family by herself and done what she wanted to do but she really wanted her son to experience that and go see family and show him off and be a part of that and i feel like again that's just another another sacrifice that women are willing to do. Like she was willing to go through all of that stressful moment of trying to get him onto that plane, knowing it was going to be a difficult situation, but she wanted to do it anyway because she really just wanted to experience it with him and have that another sacrificial thing that, that women choose to do in their life. I just, I just, I cannot get over all of these moments that these women went through. It just, it, it's women are fucking badass. I don't think we say that enough, but we are some badass bitches. That's all there is to it. And then, you know, Mara and Albert's relationship, this is an example of one that was changed by a child. They had a cute yep. little relationship and then they had a son who wasn't, you know, living up to the husband's expectations. And, and that was really sad because they did have such a cute little bond. And then, you know, they were so excited when they got pregnant. And then, you know, he just kind of was like, you know, fell off of her as her soulmate and she had to do this alone. You know, like you said, she didn't have anybody to talk to about that. And she actually, there was a point in the book where she said, I've now put out loud all my husband's fears out into the universe. I've said, Hey, I think there's something wrong with my kid. Mm -hmm. You know, she, our, our child, you know, she couldn't take it back. And she was like, you know, I've, I've, I've done the unthinkable now. Like there's no going back this is the turning point for them. And they just never recovered from that mm -hmm. ever until the day he died. She hated him and whispered in his ear as he's lying on the floor. I wish it had been you all those years ago. Like that's also a tragedy in itself. Mm -hmm. The love of mm -hmm. a marriage, just like, like yeah. that. Well, and they so. said like, they didn't even yeah. make one, something about not making eye contact for like months or yeah. years or something. And I'm like, what could yeah. you imagine? Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. Just like I've been angry before my husband, but yeah, but <laughs> 10 years of not making eye contact, like that is commitment. Yeah. They were, and they were married for six It takes a lot years. of commitment. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. that's <laughs> intense. Don't look at me. It says, my, 
It's as much energy to ignore somebody right. as it is to be in daily existence. Sometimes more energy to ignore. I mean, to be honest, I think Albert started ignoring his family a long time before Mara did. Um, you know, she describes yeah. a scene where she was keeping track on the calendar of how many nights went by where Albert did not see their son. And when she made it a full month where he never saw their son, not in the morning, not at night, not once during the day. She stormed into the room where he was watching TV, slammed the calendar in his lap and was like, you have not seen your kid for four weeks. And Albert didn't say a word, didn't even look at her, didn't acknowledge her. How do you not pick the TV up and slam it on his head in that moment? Obviously, there's a theme with me of wanting to bash men physically with objects around me. Um, because I can't imagine, Greg. I, I do not, no, 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 I will say this about myself. I do not handle being ignored very well at all. I do not. That's probably the fastest way to get me to level 100 is to ignore me. Next level, next level. Yeah. So, so Albert, the scene where Albert, 100. level 1000, to be honest, the level, the scene where, where Albert ignores her, mm-mm. I wanted to like channel myself into Mara and beat him into a pulp for her. That just, that made me so angry because mm-hmm. I could just feel her frustration. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. You know, Greg travels a lot for work. Yeah. And after a week, I'm like, you need time with your son. And I don't even have to force it on him. I don't have to. I can't imagine after, you know, a full month and who knows how long that went on. Like we just heard a tall, small snippet of it. Um, I don't know. It's just one of the, it was a very sad, quiet story happening in that neighborhood. Um, that whole family situation. Mm-hmm. Again, you don't know what's happening yeah. behind closed doors. You just never know. No. No, and it is so sad, too. And we could talk about how her husband dies. But when he does die, like, no one even knows. Like, no one even cares. Like, nobody's like, yeah. how are you? And the whole time, they're all like, oh, my God, did you hear about Xavier? Which I get. Yeah, it's a big deal. The kid fell out a window. But her husband died, and just nobody even asked her. And she's just, like, again, alone. Um, I hope she finds happiness in the epilogue. <laughs> I had a question about that because they talk about how she's still like in her pajamas and stuff when Rebecca comes to the house and she's clearly having a miscarriage. Is Albert laying in the floor in the house? No, no. Albert was taken to the hospital. No, the ambulance took him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. The phone was ringing constantly because the hospital was I must have missed part. I was making sure. Yeah. So a lot of the book, that's a good point to make though. A lot of the book is told between, it switches between nine months previously in September at a house party, a backyard garden party at Whitney's and the present day over a very short period of time, only a couple of days. I don't even know if it was a 24 hour period. Right. 24 hours, I really think. Um, And so the book flops between that past and that current 24 hours. We'll say 48, give us some, some wiggle room, but like a very short period of time in the present. And so Xavier falls out of a window in the morning. And I think later that day, that morning is when Albert dies. I can't remember exactly when he passed. Um, but sometime in that same period, her husband dies, um, there in the home and is taken away by ambulance. And yeah, throughout the whole story, not a single person acknowledges ever that Albert has passed again. That was what I was saying. She was just, they were completely ignored. They were the elderly couple that was not acknowledged in the neighborhood. Um, mm-hmm. Except for by Rebecca. Damn it. That poor woman. I know, Rebecca. But Roseanne, like, would you notice if someone in your neighborhood, if their husband died? Um, probably I would, I would feel like if I, because we all, we're outside a lot. Um, so if I don't see anyone, I actually said recently, I was like, Ooh, do you think like they got divorced? I haven't seen the wife in a while. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah. Probably not. I think probably so. not in 24 hours. You wouldn't. I would know. No. No, not in 24 hours. I would know in my cul-de-sac, for sure. 
for sure. I would, I would know. Know. always home. I know. Like, always home around. My dog barks if she sees something outside. I'm like, what is it? I go look. I would notice if like maybe there was an ambulance or something dramatic going on outside. I don't know. I would notice. Mm -hmm. Check on your oldies but goodies. Oldies but goodies. (laughs) They are. That's pretty cute. Do you guys have any more comments about any of the characters? Or do we want to talk about some of the twists now? Let's get into twist. Yeah, let's get into twist. Let's get into the twists. Okay. Um... You want to do your theories first, or you want to do the twists? Let's do twists. Well, did anyone have a theory? Was this kind of a theory book? I actually did I have did a theory. Have... Let's hear it. I had one. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned earlier that you thought Whitney was a rage mom. So I thought Whitney had a rage moment, and she might have Same. accidentally Same. pushed the child or something and he fell through the open window or something along those lines. And part of me thought that also because when Blair talks about the wine that was in the room, the glass, like the stain on the floor. And so I just, I immediately thought that that was where this book was headed initially was that Whitney had a rage moment and the son fell out of the window. Well, you, you were directed to because there was, Whitney was saying she Correct. was like, you know, uh, when they find out, when he finds out what I did, if he wakes up and tells people what I did, like, you know, you automatically assume she in a moment of rage. Cause they describe in the September portion of the book, when they go back to the backyard party at Whitney's, Whitney has a moment, her first moment you experience in the book of her raging at Xavier. And she does it through an open window. So the whole party here. So everybody heard Whitney scream at her son, what the fuck is wrong with you? What the hell is wrong with you? Like, what the hell are right. you doing? Uh, and just kind of went off on him, was twisting his arm. He was whimpering and whining. Like the whole crew out in her backyard heard that. Um, so you're led to believe that Whitney pushed her son out the window. Um, so I was anticipating, because we were led to believe that, I was anticipating she was not the one who pushed him out. And I was, But I actually was thinking whoever she was cheating with was the one who pushed him out the window. I so, so I was waiting. Even when they're describing that night, I'm thinking, once we find out that it's Ben she's cheating with, I'm thinking Ben went up there to talk with him and he was like, I'm going to tell my dad what you did and pushed him out the window. That's what I was anticipating. That was my theory, if you will. I had a suspicion that either Ben was a creeper because they mentioned he was the favorite teacher, the playful uncle, the baseball coach. Mm -hmm. Kids are always drawn to him. And I feel like somebody would describe my husband that way. But but he's not that way. <laughs> I know it sounds dumb. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> it's sad that people think that because he's playful, kids like him, that he's a creeper. And so that's where my right. mind went, thinking like, oh, maybe he's a creeper. And that's sad. He's just a likable guy. Um, but I thought that it was either he was a creeper or Ben was the one cheating because it was like too perfect that it was Aiden. So I was expecting either Ben to be one of the two a cheating asshole or a creeper guy. I like the, I like the game of Thrones um, theory, Stephanie, that she pushed him, that he pushed the kid out the window. I like that. 
but I was fully yeah. expecting Whitney to be in a rage, mm-hmm. push him out the window. And that's why she was just like, so mm-hmm. beside herself. Like, Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. She seemed like a mother yeah. and, and she that was, was really, she was, a. she seemed like a mother who was trying to atone for hurting her kid. How much, cause she went from being like yeah. in this, in the previous, you know, before the night of the fall, she did not like Xavier. She did not like being around him. His very presence was triggering for her. Everything about him just pissed her off. And then she, in the hospital room, is rubbing his hand, is kissing his face, is laying in bed with him, you know, is just beside herself. So she felt like a mother in atonement. And she was, in fact, a mother in atonement. Um, because Xavier falls from the window because he's watching her have sex with Ben down there on the patio underneath his window. He was up late at night doing his little paper airplane routine, which is where he would throw them into Mara's backyard because Mara shared with him, her son loved air paper. He loved airplanes. Um, and so Xavier, because I know he's described as a pain in the ass kid, but I think Xavier, I think there was a lot more to him that Whitney just didn't see um, because he was so annoying, but he was throwing paper airplanes down into Mara's backyard as sort of an acknowledgement of her son. No one else in the neighborhood really knew besides Rebecca and Xavier, I think, that she had a son who had died. Um, Blair and Whitney only found out at the backyard party that there was a son. Um, but at that point, you know, Xavier, anyways, he was just, he was just was acknowledging her son and passing, tossing air, paper airplanes into her backyard. Um, and as he's doing that, he hears his mother engaging in what was described as the yeah, pretty intense sex she describes a really good time to be honest yeah i know (laughs) she described so good oh yes finger paint yeah i remember yes say that again let's let stephanie repeat that no one stephanie repeat that we were all talking about the sex but go ahead finger painting with his semen on her skin just i'm gonna no one speak. Let that sit yeah. in for a second. I want you to pause and imagine. Let's all do it together. Yeah. Finger painting semen on her skin. And her son is watching. She describes, she remembers how she spread herself for him. How mm-hmm. she licked him. The things she was saying. And her son, what he says is, mom, stop, <laughs> is what her son shouts yeah. down to her. As he's watching from the window, um, as he as she bangs the guy teaching him how to play softball in the backyard, like that's what Ben was for him. He was the fun, cool neighbor who was helping him prep for the baseball turn like tryouts. Um, and now he's down there railing his mom. And Xavier ends up falling from the window. Previously, before the banging, that the fucking is what I ended up calling it in my private notes. Before the fucking, Whitney gets into a pretty intense fight with her son. Um, over him scrawling on the wall with a Sharpie, I don't want to be your son anymore. Um, and he ends up throwing a cup of coffee, her left her cup of coffee at the door, shattering it. That's the, the liquid on the floor was her cup of coffee. Um, it was a really intense fight between them. And she said, you don't want to be my son anymore? Done. I'm not your mother anymore. I'm leaving, is what she says to her kid. And he, his little chin trembles and he turns to the wall and he cries. And it was a really sad moment. I'm trying to imagine a 10 year old hearing that from their mom and like how damaging that was. Anyways, after that is whenever he sees her um, down there banging his little, his, his, you know, coach tryout friend or whatever. 
Um, and he's leaning so far out the window trying to see her. He's like, mom, did you leave already? Is what he asks her. Mom, did you leave? Like, come back. Where are you? And leaning out trying to find her is how Xavier ends up falling from the window. Um, and it's just like, and you only find that out at the very end of the book. But like right at the end, before the epilogue, of course, but like right at the very end of the book is when you find out how Xavier ended up falling from the window. Um, and just, God, it was graphic. It was graphic, that sexy, what she was doing with him. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, how she, she said she lost her mind at one point, lost her mind in what she was doing. I mean, I could feel her. I would be horrified. Yeah, I would love it. <laughs> I'll be honest. I would love to lose my mind I, like that. It sounded amazing. Just, <laughs> I feel like, again, that was a person I was before I had a child. Like, that's right. I, I feel like I've been in a scene like that uh-huh. before I was a mother. I don't know. Wow, I Sand. Think, <laughs> maybe not as graphic as finger painting, but I the mean, finger you know, painting? my friends would be like, yeah, but no, my friends would be like, I know exactly what story you're talking about right now. So. Chime in, bitches, when you get to this part, text me and tell me you know what I'm talking yeah. about. But um, <laughs> I, again, it's just like, imagine just being that that type of a free woman without a fucking yeah. care in the world. Fucking a guy at on your back porch. It's not your husband. Your kids are upstairs. Like, what kind of a woman are you, honestly? And to be that so free and hoary. Okay, Roseanne, yeah. listen. That's now, what I'm I, saying. I, I would love that. I probably am going to take this out. I'm going to edit this out. But you guys, once a week, once a week on Friday nights, I give myself that woman. I swear to God. The outdoor, well, the outdoor shower. That's I mean, great. it's my husband, right? It's my husband. But like, I'm not a mother. I don't put my kid to bed. I don't have to do dinner. I don't have to do anything. It's my once a night. Like I get to just like be and exist. Oh, and I get nice. to, if I want to drink tequila, I do. If I want to. I do. I'm going to edit all of this out, by the way. None of this is going in the podcast. But I, and let me tell you, I'm. Why? Because, no. Um, <laughs> one night a week, on, on it's, it's usually Friday nights, one night a week, I let myself, I mean, I completely can just lose my mind and do whatever I want. And it's fabulous. Of course, it's with my husband. I say that, it's not wanting to get super graphic, but like, yeah, no, it's like, I'm not a mom. And it's, um, I'm like a different person. He, and Greg would be like, let her out, is what he says, let her out. <laughs> good good for you <laughs> let her out let her be free well maybe if Whitney had that she wouldn't I think she did though so inclined no. to be this way I think Jacob was that uh, Jacob liked to watch her he would watch her from across the room remember Blair talks about that where he like when Blair the sick yeah. freak brings out her vibrators and sniffs them oh yeah we didn't okay we didn't okay. talk about, we didn't talk about that. that I really I really want to talk about that I don't, I think Whitney was like, or I think I felt like a lot of times when I was reading the story, I felt like Blair was so lost in who she was that she was like trying to explore like her other sexualities. Like I felt like she was so lost in who she thought she was supposed to be and gave so much of herself to her daughter and to this image she was meant to have that she like was having like a romantic or a need or lust for Whitney. She wanted to be Whitney. She wanted to be everything that Whitney could possibly be. And that also meant her potentially like falling for who Whitney was. Like she wanted her, her presence around her, the way that she would touch. She wanted to touch the sweater she had. Like she just wanted everything that she had in her, whether that meant that she was in love with Whitney or that she was just in love with the idea of her. And so it made her want to smell her, feel her, touch her in every way. She wanted to wear her freaking lingerie and 
masturbate on her bed. Like that's how much she longed to be Whitney. Mm -hmm. She got off on the idea that it was Whitney, like that she was her and Jacob was watching. Like that was what she wanted. I don't think that Jacob gave Whitney what Ben did. Mm. I don't think he did. That's why she longed to have those things with all these other men. I think Jacob might've watched Whitney give, do the things to herself, but he was never going to do the things that these other men were doing for her. That's why I was like, was Jacob maybe not the man we thought he was? Maybe he was just a really good husband, a really good partner in that sense, like a good dad, but maybe not sexually all the things that Whitney was looking for. Well, there, you know, there was a scene described where Whitney, uh, Blair, up to a certain time of day, could see into Whitney's house, um, into her kitchen. And she was watching them one morning where Jacob was making breakfast and Whitney came up behind him and put her hand down his pants and was stroking him. Is what how the book described it, stroking him inches from the hot griddle. Um, I think, and this is probably like how I relate to Whitney just a little bit. I think a woman who does like that casual kind of touching like that and the woman who lets herself loose like Ben does, I'm pretty sure her and Jacob had that kind of relationship. I just think Whitney wasn't satisfied. I just think she needed more and more and more Maybe. and more and more. I think she was getting yeah. it from Jacob. It just wasn't enough. Like nothing was ever enough is, is how I perceived Whitney. I think the relationship was there. I think it was fine. I never got the impression that Jacob was using Whitney as a beard or like anything like that. Like I thought he was a genuinely good dad. I thought he protected his kids. There was moments um, where he would say things like Whitney would recollect Jacob saying to her, I wish you could hear yourself and how you talk to the kids. Um, So I think Jacob loved Whitney and loved all these things about her and he had to protect his kids from her. And that was a fine line he had to walk. Okay. So we hit, um, yeah, so we did um, Whitney's a sh- serial che- cheater. We got that. Aiden was a cheating bastard, just not with Whitney. We covered that. Uh, we find out what really happened to Xavier. We covered that. Mm-hmm. Um, we covered Mara, Mara, Mara. Loki letting her husband die on the floor. On you know, we actually didn't talk about that, though. We didn't really. We did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. D- yeah. Just like okay. real quick. Um, anybody want to? Um, she went to go do laundry. And she heard a thud upstairs. She heard him calling her. He was saying Mara, Mara, right? Mm-hmm. She ignored it. Mm-hmm. She was like, I'm just going to fold maybe just one more shirt. Just you one know? more. Um, one more. Yeah, just, maybe just another one. Yeah. yeah. And so by the time she went upstairs, he had already died from his heart attack. Um, and she and she knew he was up there dying. Like, she knew... She knew he was yeah, calling she knew. for him. She, said, she was literally saying, if I, I'll wait just a little yeah. bit longer until I know it's going to be too late. Um, and I I love that for Mara. I did. I love that Me for too. Mara. She lived a painful yeah. life um, from the time her son was three. For the rest of her life, it was painful. And I love that for her that she got that little last little, you know what? Go ahead and die up there, Albert. Yeah, fuck you. Go ahead and die up there. Do you think there. she, yeah. like, she caused his heart attack? I don't. I think. I think he just kept feeding himself sausage. Yeah, like, no. you know, she cooked him the sausage. She made him, you know, the coffee. Maybe, you know, right, she didn't yeah. tell him no, but she knew he had a heart condition, and I feel like she was just well, like. She talked about it. She talked. We didn't about eat all the having. sausage that day. Yeah. Well, remember. So, if you remember, before she goes downstairs to do laundry, she makes him a pot of coffee because she knew he wanted another one, and she says, "Here's the cream," and gives him cream. And I swear, I feel like there's something in the cream. 
Like mm. if you listen to that part again, there's something to it, at least in my mind. So um, I feel like there was, she definitely talked about giving him cream before she goes downstairs. You know what? Good for Mara. Either way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. At the same time, this is the stuff that Rosie was talking about is how sad it is to see that this is the outcome of that relationship because they had such a beautiful relationship prior. Very happy, moved to America, were living the dream that they had, had this son that they were so excited about, and it just went downhill from there until the very end. She didn't even give a shit that he was dying upstairs in the kitchen. She didn't give a shit that, I mean, she would rather do laundry than to go up and save his life. I mean, that's where it, it rolled into, which is really, I mean, it's tragic. It's very sad to think that that's where it ultimately ended up. At the same time, I'm nice jab. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... It's like a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I, I don't know if we got to this twist because I did take a quick little pee break. Um, and I actually forgot about this. So I listened to it again. Fucking Whitney got pregnant. <gasps> like, do you guys we remember did, that? Yes. yes. That's right. Yes. And she didn't that's know right. which kid it was because she let them both. And she yeah. says, I let them both come in me. Like, I don't know. And that's just yeah. her. Not, not just both. Whitney. Let them all I think it was all. all. <laughs> I thought she was just begging Ben and Jacob. I thought Ben was just her side no. piece at that point. No. Oh, okay. She okay. said she let them she let all come in her is how she described it. Yeah. So she had a, she's yeah. going to have a mutt baby. She's um, do you guys remember that part where Jacob came to the yep. hotel unexpectedly? In Paris. And someone had left a note. Yeah, someone had left a note. I had a, you were wonderful. Call me. That's mm-hmm. right. So yeah. we think Jacob knew then. Yes. Yes. He 100% knew. Yes. Yes. He 100% yes. knew. Yes. I forgot about that part. And Jacob made the conscious decision to stay with the woman for the sake of to his stay. family, even mm-hmm. though she was not a good mother, was not a mm-hmm. good person to have in the children's lives, you know, like, but he made the conscious decision to stay. He definitely knew after that note. Yeah. Because he but also had his, a sugar mama. He had a sugar say, mama. His Let's be real. Point, he had he a was sugar doing mama. Not shit. She still fucked him. Yeah, he was. she wasn't holding out sex from him. She was bringing him <laughs> money. He got to hang out. Yeah, he was doing whatever he, he wanted. He was buying mm-hmm. fucking art, going to shows, doing whatever he wanted. Little They had asshole. a nanny. I don't care. He wasn't momming it at mm-hmm. home. They had no. a reason to It wasn't like he was staying at home dying. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was living the good yeah. life, and occasionally he had to deal with her stuff. Occasionally, so that's that's what sucks for women, I mean, man. We still got to raise a damn kid, right? Like we don't get to just correct. <laughs> we don't have that other thing. <laughs> yeah. So he yeah. did not sacrifice shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not at all. Yeah. Um, not all right. So yeah, at the end of end of the book, we find out what really happened to Xavier the night of the fall, and then in the epilogue we found out the very last sentence that he's awake and he says to Whitney, what do you think is going to happen to you when I tell them what happened? And that's how the book ends. So we also find out that, well, Whitney's life is about to be absolutely ruined. Mm-hmm. Do, does she deserve it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought she did when she went to cut the air supply. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about when that she too. pinched. Yeah, when she pinched his air supply in that moment, any any ounce of 
of emotion or thought that I had for her, like any bit of it disappeared in that moment because I don't care if your kid comes out as a vegetable or whatever, but you, you want your child to still live. You don't want to be the person who inflicts, who intentionally kills your child. That is in a level I can't even comprehend. And when she chose to do that and Jacob saw, that's another reason why I have, I, I don't understand Jacob in any way, shape or form because that guy witnessed it and did not stop it. He was sitting in a chair chilling. So, I don't get that whole relationship. That's why I was questioning what really is up with their stuff. Um, but in that moment, when she tried to pinch his air supply to kill him, I lost everything for her. And I do believe that she deserves everything that's about to be handed to her. Everything. I don't know if Jacob saw her pinch the air supply. I don't, I don't really have a definitive opinion on that. If he really saw it. Because she could have just been standing up there and hiding it, you know. It, it, he couldn't see from all the way across the room. I don't. We think. don't even know when he came in the room. But if he did see it, mm-hmm. yeah, we don't even know. You have no idea when he came in. But he was one hundred percent just sitting in the room, and he had been sitting there. Mm-hmm. What look? What she thought was like for a minute, so probably longer. Because when you're in one of those moments, you are totally out. You don't know what's going on. He had probably been sitting there for a minute. Well, and she calls him out or ask him about it. Like, you know, weren't you, didn't you see me do that? And, and he doesn't say a word. So she's even challenging him and no, and maybe, maybe she knows he's a pussy. Like that's what he is. He is, uh, Jacob is a pussy. Did we already cover that while I was gone? No, no, yeah. no, we didn't. <laughs> well, there you have it. <laughs> All right. I think our work here is done. <laughs> as tired postpartum as Whitney was when she let Blair, her new neighbor come take her kids for a walk. And she slept for four hours. Fucking no, (laughs) never. No, that didn't. Never. Yeah. I read that part and I was like, wow. A random stranger. Mm -mm. Yeah. No. Mm -mm. Yeah. Well, that just goes to show you again how uh, uh, self-absorbed that Whitney was. That, you know, yes, she was going. And, and not to say that she wasn't having a difficult time. Like, at that point, well, wasn't she going through, like, she was having the pain when she was breastfeeding two babies, you know, feeding off your boobs all day long. Like, I'm sure she was, like, at her wits end. Um, but it goes to show that she's like, you know what? I will pass my kid off and go nap for four hours. Um, you know, she does. When she wakes up, she's like, oh, God, I did just leave my kid. She was like, but I didn't care at that point. I was so exhausted. Um, but I've never had twins, so... I'm sure it is exhausting. I've not had twins either. Correct. So yeah. that could be a thing. Yeah. I'll ask my friend. Longer. She's had twins. I'll ask her. Would she give them yeah. to a stranger? She actually might give them to a stranger. I've <laughs> seen her sometimes where she's like, fuck, take them. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Especially if they're crying. Yeah. yeah. I wanted I wanted twins really bad. I When I got pregnant with Tristan, I wanted it be, to be twins really really badly and everybody who was already mother told me I was absolutely insane why because I wanted to have two and get it over with at one time and I thought it would have been super cute I know I know better now (laughs) after having Tristan do you still think that you could have ever wanted twins now like do you think that you would have wanted 
Yeah, because I I want him to have a fucking playmate. Because sometimes yeah. I'm tired of playing with him, and so is Terrence. And, <laughs> and if Abby's not here, she's she's not in the mood either. Yeah, and and so he's a TV kid. Then when we're not when we're tired of playing with him, and I feel mom guilt about that. So I would love for him to have a sibling to be playing with. So yes, I do still wish. And I twins are cute. It's just cute. Some of them are. Sometimes they can be um psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> Does that need to be edited? No. no. <laughs> I think any parent of twins is like, yeah, they're freaking, they talk in a language I can't understand. They're psychotic. I know, but that's so cute. Dude, that is cool. a true like, thing. I like that a hell true. of a bond. Yeah, an incredible that's bond. Cool. It is a cool. Yeah, that's cool. It's a cool, it's a cool and then, existence. I know they, they run in our family, like maybe skip a generation mm-hmm. or something. Um, our, so our kids. So I was like, oh, maybe. Well, our kids might be. Um, our kids yeah. may have them. Because our, our mom was, was pregnant mm-hmm. with twins at one yeah. point. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be here had they been, so. I wouldn't either, I don't think. Oh, that's so. true. I think it was between Vanessa right. and Samantha uh-huh. that it happened. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I hate it for you guys. And I, I like think there was another time as well. Yeah, a single yes. baby. After Frank. A single baby. I, I, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I thought there was two between me and Vanessa. I think there was. I think there, there was. Were. There was twins the and twins a and the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a hell of a lot, because let's be real, we're 18 months apart. So yeah. slow it Again, down a notch, mom. Just do the math. Like, what the hell? God. What the hell? Wrap it. Do something. God. Learn oh. to pull out, bastard. God, what's wrong with Ew, you? Jesus. God. <laughs> <laughs> do we want to talk about the time whenever uh, dad called us individually all into his bedroom? <laughs> To give us a chore to do, and he didn't realize that his elastic on his underwear was not very tight, and we all saw his balls. And we didn't warn each other, so each person had to go in and see it because we all wanted what? everyone scarred for life. It was just yes. was it balls? I don't even remember. I don't. I don't remember this part. It was genitals. And, it oh, was just, and he had his leg up. He was laying in bed. He had his leg up. Yeah, just like that. <laughs> yeah, just like that. Who's next? Yeah. <laughs> Send the next one. Like, Shut him okay. in here. <laughs> I think I remember being confused, like about what it was. Like, what is that? And, like, the person before would come out laughing, and you were like, "Why are you laughing? Like, what am I about to laughing?" It was just funny. It was just, we all just like took a turn going in. I don't remember this. You might not have. Been uh, you you might around. have been out of the house. You were probably yeah. gone, Rosie. I was probably doing. I was probably doing coke lines off a of photo. Yeah. Yeah. After you were done being. <laughs> Tortured, tortured, trauma bonded, <laughs> trauma bonded at home. Listen, we all took a deep breath when you mm-hmm. moved out. Okay. <laughs> Why? Because I stood up to the man. Yeah, it was like, thank God that's out of the house. Now we can all just breathe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I have a question. Okay. Do you think that some women should just not have children? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And it's okay, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yes. Oh, and it's yeah. okay to be that 1, way. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. okay to say I'm yeah. I'm not a mother material and that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Yes. But I feel like maybe women don't feel like it. It's okay, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that's frowned mm-hmm. upon, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Cuz bringing a child into the world not being prepared for all that it entails, then that's what that's worse mm-hmm. than just not having a child, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mhm. Sammy, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say that even, and this is not, this is common knowledge, like even heaven knows, like 
I did one kids mm-hmm. like me and Brett got, got pregnant with heaven. Um, and it was the best thing. I'm not just saying that it really mm-hmm. is the best thing in the world. Like, you know, I feel like me and me and Brett are great prayers to heaven, mm-hmm. but I never had a desire to have another kid afterwards. Like there was mm-hmm. no desire before right. or afterwards to have children just while I was pregnant with heaven. That was it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, right. I think mm-hmm. it, it is a, a thing. Like I don't really have those, even as a mom today, I feel like I'm missing some maternal instincts. Like I'm not super lovey dovey mm-hmm. with heaven. Um, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. Um, so I think it's just, I mean, people can be a mixture too, you know, mm-hmm. or they just, you know, or they rise to the occasion. I guess, let me say that you can choose to rise to the occasion of being a parent or be a shitty parent. Um, you know, and we decided to rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. So even though that's not, that wasn't really yeah. what we wanted, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Do you guys straight up hate Whitney? <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't hate her. I don't hate her either, I, at all. I think I. I identify with her sometimes. I think probably all of us might in a little way, which is why we're all boss bitches. I think we all strive to accomplish and do the things that she does. I think for for so long. I, I think they even mentioned the part about the ninety growing up in the nineties women empowerment, like getting to do all of these things. Like I very much so feel like I embody some of that from growing up in the nineties or whatever. I mean, I just, I, I definitely identify with Whitney in that frame when it comes to having like work as, as being a big part of who I am. I identify with that. I, I take pride in what I do. I want to achieve more. I like having a title in my name. If I'm going to have one, like I like having my own business. I, I take pride in those things. I do not in any way, shape or form understand some of the things that she chooses to um, be selfish about and like put her kids to the back burner. Mm -hmm. I definitely get the screaming coming home and not wanting to deal with it. I get her wanting to have a nanny because fuck, I wanted a nanny, but I never got to have one. Like some of those things, like those are, those are all things that every woman wants. Every woman thinks about her being in tune to her sexuality. I think a lot of women are not. I think a lot of women wish that they could and they don't think about it, don't talk about it because in society we're not supposed to. Like those are just not things that we're supposed to want or need or have. It's just a male thing. So I do definitely identify a lot with those things with Whitney, but I cut off when she tried to kill her kid. That was a no for me. That I don't get. Can I read a quote from the book? about Whitney. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She said, and she's talking in relation to Jacob. She says, she thinks of everything he doesn't know. They didn't feel like lies before. They felt like private decisions, choices that were her right to make because they fed a need inside her. One that Jacob does not have. This life was enough for him. He was good at this, but she was not. And she wanted more. She wanted to feel different eyes on her body. The arousal affirming for her, You aren't like other mothers. Other mothers can't do this. After every time she had been a better mother, had they felt it sometimes that she had days when she enjoyed them more? And so if that was what she needed, that one little thing, then could she be forgiven? Do you hate her now? (laughs) So honestly, oh, go ahead, Steph. Now I was just going to say, I can relate to her in that situation. Yeah. Because... Um, I, and I feel like I am a maternal mother and I, and I am a, I am a good mother and I'm very you know soft and gentle with my son, but I'm still very much so a woman and I enjoy being a woman. 
Um, and when you don't mm-hmm. let, when you, when you let, it is very easy as a mother to forget you are a woman, I guess is how I'm, I'm trying to mm-hmm. say this. Like you, it's so easy to lose that side of yourself and forget how powerful women can be and how powerful you can feel and how can, you know, just like all the things you can do. And when you're allowed to, not allowed to, but when you're encouraged and given the space to still feel that about yourself, it helps you be a better mother because it doesn't have to be your entire controlling identity being a mom. You can still be a good mom and still very much so be an independent human being with your own needs and wants and desires and feelings. Um, and, but it, when you don't have support giving you the space to experience that, it can feel like a chokehold on you, I guess. Um, and that's, I guess that's what Whitney was experiencing. Okay. Even though she had, you know, she had a, a husband who was a, you know, a great father and a good partner. I don't know. Maybe he didn't embrace the, uh, the witchy wildness of Whitney. Or maybe she was just a serial cheating whore. Or. Or. <laughs> or she was a sex addict with daddy issues. Or. Or. <laughs> or she just. I feel like she just shouldn't have been a mother. She just didn't have it in her. And and she just should have lived her life not trying to conquer that. She wasn't set up for okay. it. That's what I think. Or I also say this, if Jacob was cool with it and she was able to, to fuck around, it's like, she should have kept it with like people who, who she didn't know. That's what, you know, her, she messed up when she did it with Ben, but if Jacob was cool with it, yep. it worked for Whitney. She was happier when she did, she was a better mom. I mean, that might work for them. Um, the mistake was, well, a lot of it was mistakes, you know, but I don't know. I mean, that might work for them in their, in their world. If Jacob was cool with it. And I still think he was, I honestly think Jacob knew that she was like that. And he just loved her too much and was, in fact, they describe like the way he says her name is like, she's royalty Mm -hmm. and the way he looks and talks Mm -hmm. to her. Like he like, you know, worshiped the ground she walked on. So I think he knew what was going on and still just like let it happen because it worked for them, you know? But what didn't work was the life for the kids. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) For women, we just, we need to not shit where we sleep. Mm. And I know this is an unpopular opinion. You guys can probably roast me, but I feel like you cannot be a boss bitch. And the mother that maybe you want to be at the same time. I think it's too hard. You're going to fail at one of them. You are. You're going to give more one here, less another here. And, and, and you just need to embrace that. So I think what you're describing, Roseanne, is is lowering your expectations and not expecting perfection out of yourself yeah. every single day. I think that's what you're describing. Where you're you're not going to have the perfect balance and be the kind, patient, loving mother every second of the day, and still kicking ass in wherever line yeah. of work you're in. I, I just think you. I just think, and but I what it takes to be a boss bitch is yeah. a lot of hours, yeah. a lot of sacrifice, a lot of one-on-one attention, and you can't do that yeah. if you are a mother and you are wanting to be a good mother, a present yeah. mother, a present mother, yeah, an attentive mother. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can be a mom, but if you're if your mind's elsewhere, if you're working, you know, ten, twelve hour days, you're you're not there, you're not present. But why do we? Ex- and and so I I don't think you can do both. But why do we expect us to be able to do both? Why do we have to do both perfectly at all times? Why can't it be okay? I've, I've 
you know, yeah. that some days we're just not super Turn attentive on. and patient. And that doesn't yeah. mean I, I try to, I think we talked about this on our trip, Roseanne, trying to get out of the tunnel vision of everyday life and look at it from way up high. I always call yeah. it my 30,000 foot view where you're looking down and it's like, okay, this day, my kid watched TV all day. Isn't going to wreck him. He lives a really good life. But this day, mom had a lot yeah. of meetings and I can't have him being loud in the background. I'm a work-from-home mom with a three-year-old, and he has to be quiet. So on goes every single Toy Story movie in quick succession on Wednesdays. That's just what I know about myself. On Wednesdays, my kid watches TV all day long from the day he wakes from the moment he wakes up until we go to bed at night because it's a long-ass day for me. Um, and that's just – and I've just lowered my expectations, and I've just told myself, you simply cannot split yourself in half and be both places doing both things at one time. Um, and I think that a lot of women, we experience that same issue of not being able to let that expectation go of ourselves. We expect ourselves to be perfect and follow through and conquer all things all the time, every second of every day. And that's how you hit burnout and exhaustion and feeling poorly about yourself. I feel like social media and media in general depicts women as being these goddesses who are capable of doing all of these things. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's, and it's an unrealistic expectation for, for us. And that's not fair. So we always, and, and women, we compare ourselves mm -hmm. constantly, whether we like to admit it or not. I mean, the story clearly shows it. All of these women were jealous of each other. They all wanted to be what the other one was or have what the other one wanted. And were never truly satisfied with what any of them ever had. And we as women do that all the time to each other. And it's, it's not, it's a, it's a bad and it's a slippery slope for us to be on is what it is, is because we end up doing things that we're going to regret later, or we make decisions that we're going to alter our life in a way that we, we can't take back. Mm -hmm. um, and so kind of take doing what you just talked about, Stephanie, taking that, that view from way up 30,000 view foot view or whatever you call it, aerial view and looking down and saying, Hey, this is what I have. This is what I have accomplished. When do we draw the line in the sand and say, that's enough? This is where I don't, I don't give a shit about a glass ceiling. This is my, mm -hmm. this is my glass ceiling. Mm -hmm. I can settle down now. It's okay to be comfortable with settling down. Mm -hmm. I think society's just changed and we think that we're capable of all of these things or that we should be wanting all of these things. And we're kind of looked down on as, as not reaching something if we, if we don't try and go after that. Like it's being a stay at home mom is, sometimes looked down upon mm -hmm. a lot of times, just like, you know, which is really sad because that is a freaking hard ass job to be a stay at home mom. One thing that's different for me than the rest of you guys is that I was a boss bitch for a really long time without a child. Mm -hmm. Whereas you guys are boss bitches now a little later on. Whereas mm -hmm. I've been there, done that. Now I have a kid. I have zero desire. Right. To be a boss bitch, like at all. So while you say maybe social media does that also, maybe someone that's been in my position sees like, oh, well, this is what I did before I had kids. And you put the pressure on yourself thinking, oh, well, I still need to be this way. But in reality, mm -hmm. you don't, you know, your life is different now. And a lot of women, I think, also struggle with that, like trying to be all the versions of themselves mm -hmm. they were before children, you know, in in regards to their job, you know, their husband being, you know, the best wife. So for sure that way, I feel like, yeah, we've got to give ourselves some slack, you know, mm -hmm. when you're juggling all the things in life. Yeah. And that is why I say 
uh, I would love to be a stay-at-home mother and working sucks and boss bitch life is not for me as a mother. Absolutely not. See, I, I enjoy a healthy dose of both, um, honestly, in my life. Like, I, I like both. I like having the feeling of, you know, not necessarily being a boss bitch at work, but just being counted on and knowing that I took a project through completion. And then I like also being being a mom to heaven and doing, you know, fun things and things like that. So I, I, I like having a healthy mix, but I do catch myself trying to do both to the extreme in one day on a regular basis. And I do burn myself out like, like very often. Cause I'm like, if I didn't do, you know, especially working at home, you guys know, mm-hmm. like I have to make sure I make my bed and I got to start some laundry and I got to clean this and mm-hmm. I got to make, you know, this lunch, I got to get dinner going and I have to get my meetings done mm-hmm. and take heaven to soccer practice. Um, you know, and, and if I didn't do some, one of those things, like, I feel like I failed my whole day and mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, Samantha, like mm-hmm. you're hard on yourself. And I, and I will, like, even this morning I told myself, like, I've got up early as shit and I was cleaning baseboards and I was at the, I went to Walmart by like 8 a.m. And got a bunch of groceries. And I honestly told myself, like, I need to do more. Like, you need to get a few more things done, Samantha, before you do the podcast. <laughs> I'm like, why do I? But it's just this mentality. Why do we do that? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It's you know, only so many hours in the day and we have to get so much done. Um, we do it to ourselves, too. Honestly, I know mm-hmm. I do it. To we do. Same. We do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely yeah. feel like I have after, you know, I've been working at home now for five years, mm-hmm. um, you know, started my own business, doing my own thing. And I feel like I have started to, within the last year, really started to create like boundaries to where when I need a day, I take a day when I need, um, like when I need to focus on the kids or I have an appointment coming up or something's happening, like I make, I've learned to cut off. Mm-hmm. Now I work really long hours. You guys know I do. I work, you know, 10, 12 hour days easily all the time. But I have made it a point to when when it's time for family stuff, I, I put it away. I don't carry my phone around with me. I used to carry two phones. Kids used to call me like a drug dealer. Like, did you get your drug deal phone out, mom? I'm like, okay, yeah. Um, so I've, I've gotten to where I've, I've had to make a really conscious effort to like separate myself. Like today, Samantha, you said you got up this morning thinking you had to do all this shit. I got up this morning. I chilled in my bed drinking my coffee for an hour and a half watching a home makeover show. Then nice. I put on my bathing suit, went outside, and weed eated my yard and fucked around in my garden and played with my tomato plants. Then I filled up my kiddie pool, which is a plastic one I got from Dollar General. I put my feet in it and laid out in the sun after that. That's what I did on my Sunday before the podcast. So, like, I think making sure you, like, fit in that time and not just drive yourself all day long, I think, yeah. is kind of go, the key. Go, go. But it, it you have to make a conscious effort. You really, As women, we have to make a conscious effort. And I think that's the hardest part for a lot of us is learning what our boundary is, finding where our line is. And saying it's okay to take today. You don't have to do those other things. It can wait till tomorrow. And that's a hard thing for a lot of women to do, for sure. Yeah. To not fill every second every day with something productive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, another question. Which mom do you guys relate to the most? Stephanie? I don't have a clean answer. I don't have a clean answer. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I was I felt myself being somewhere in the mix of all of them combined into into one. Um, obviously, I related to Rebecca and her struggles with infertility. I did not experience the losses like she did, but you know it did take Greg and I you know many 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 years to have a child, and I know the toll that takes on your relationship. So I I, I resonate with that deeply. Um, couldn't relate to Mara because I haven't experienced you know her life what she experienced, but you know Whitney's struggles with balancing 
her independence as a, a, a singular woman and her home life, you know, not to the degree she battled, but I, I can relate to her. Um, and then, you know, Blair's, there was a line about Blair where she was like, you know, I, I want my smiling face to see, be the first thing my daughter sees every single morning. And I didn't realize until reading that, like, oh, that I am that for my son. And, you know, and I will probably continue to be for many, many years to come. Um, the first thing he sees every single morning, you know, cause I, whether I am a stay at home mom or a work from home mom, I, I am with him every single day. Um, and there was, but what I could not relate to was Blair, um, cleaning out her washing machine. Cause I didn't know I was supposed to do that. <laughs> so anyone, you know, yeah, my bad. I now know something else. Sometimes you ever feel like you're like, Whoa, didn't know I was supposed to be doing that in my adult yes. life. Like how have I been doing that wrong this whole time? Yes. Um, I yes. learned, yeah, yeah all, all the, the time. time. Yeah, all the time. I'm constantly oh, yes. seeing other people do stuff, and I'm like, oh, we're supposed to do that. Yeah, my friend's oh, group chat <laughs> does that for me. Yeah, they're like, did you guys know this, or do you guys do this? Because they'll see it on social media, and I'm like, oh, oh, no, I don't even want to put that in my nope. mental and think that's something I need to be doing. Like, yeah, no. Yeah. No. Yeah, I don't. I, I, no, I would say, honestly, a mix between Blair and Whitney. I would say I'm a healthy okay. mix between the two. Um, I don't have a me, not not so much me and me and Rebecca. Um, I didn't find okay. a lot of meshing with her. Um, def, I mean, Mara, she's old as shit, guys. I don't I don't mesh with her. Um, but <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely a healthy mix between Blair Blair and Whitney is what I think. But yeah, they both had their issues. Okay, Vanessa. Mm-hmm. Um, I was everybody but Rebecca. I str- uh, and that's because I did I don't have the infertility issues obviously. I have three children um who I love, but I have had health issues with my youngest. I have um some social issues with some of my other children. So I definitely I have Mara 100% in in a part of her in me. I definitely have Whitney in me and my drive for accomplishments without some of the crazy stuff she does. Um and Blair, I think a lot of mothers want to be what Blair is without her having her crazy spending too much time thinking about stuff moments. Um, so I, I, I'm definitely a healthy mix of the three for sure. Okay. <laughs> Rose, who's you, who do you think you identify with? This probably comes as no surprise, but mine would be Blair. Um, in case you guys can't tell, I, um, am dying to be a housewife. I just want the opportunity (laughs) to be a stay at home mom. God, it's all I want. And I I think that just comes from me having been in the workforce for so long. And that was like my all. And now that I have a child, I want to switch the gears like Sunday or Mm. yesterday at the pool. Sammy, I was even telling Terrence, I like, I felt so accomplished that day because I just did simple things. Like I cut up fruit. I had turkey tacos set out for dinner. Like I felt complete doing those stupid menial tasks. Now, if I leave my office at five o'clock, I go downstairs, I'm wiped out. I'm emotionally drained, mentally drained, physically, like all of it, just from sitting at a desk all day. And just like, that's not fulfilling to me. So I like how, how Blair, her life is full being a mother. Well, not really, because then she doesn't love it all the time, does she? But anyways, I strive to be Blair. That's that. (laughs) Blair loved it. What the issue was, was Blair went unnoticed and unappreciated. Mm. Blair loved being a mother. She loved being available to her family. She loved being a homemaker. She loved all of it. She just wanted to be noticed for it a little bit more. She felt like her life was 
um, it just, it felt sadder to her because nobody was seeing all of the ways she was showing up for her family. That's, that's my impression at least. And I wouldn't yeah. say, you know, cutting up fruit wasn't menial. It was important. Your family ate that. They loved it. They appreciated it. I hope. I didn't get any Rizan. Oh yeah. My husband actually sent me a text. He's like, this fruit bowl is amazing. Thank you with a heart. Like, yeah, it was a beautiful, it was a great day beautiful. for me being a mom. I loved it. Yeah. So anyways, that's, <laughs> that's what I strive. I want to be the PTA mom. Like I want to always be there for my kid. Like I want to be the mom that the teacher knows like, Hey, could you, do you think you could bring something last minute to the class? Like, fuck yeah, I can. Yeah. I live for this shit. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> that is so Blair. Okay. All right. I can see it. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to get into everyone's reviews and ratings? Um, I'm going to start since I'm talking. Um, shocker. I gave it five stars. In case you can't tell, I really love this book. Um, I consider it a must read, especially as a woman, especially as a mom. Um, just these types of books like really fascinate me. Just the deep dives into women's brains. Even before I was a mom, like I liked books like this, just all the fucked up internal thoughts that is taboo to speak about. I love that. Um, and my ability to relate to all the different types of women, that's intriguing to me. So I really enjoyed this book and it's a, it's a must read coming from me. So Sammy. Um, so the first time I, I read this through and I even told you this, Rosie, I, I didn't enjoy it. Like, I guess I kind of read it as more of like a su- superficial as maybe the first go around was very just superficial the way I, I list, read, you know, kind of envision the characters. So the second go around, I'm going to give it a, a four is really how I feel now that I've, now that I've really digested the mm-hmm. book. And, and I guess the best way to describe it, I wrote this down is it has provocative insights into the inner workings of mom life. Um, because that's what it is. It's kind of pokes at these, these things the, the, you know, maybe we've had these thoughts and we haven't done these things, but it pokes at those thoughts and, um, and kind of puts, puts a story behind them. Um, so overall, I mean, it was, it was a good book. I gave it a four. Okay. Ness. Like Sammy, I think I, the first time I read it, um, I, I don't think I truly like took in how deeply developed each character was. Um, and so I, I felt like I had more, like I, I understood and I identified and I, I got it, but I don't think I fully grasped how well this story was written until the second time that I listened or I read it. Um, and I, I fell in love with this story actually. Um, so I, I gave this a four and a half stars because I ne- I needed to do a second round. That's the only reason I didn't give it a five is because I had to go to round two to really truly love the writing in this story. I 100% found myself identifying with, with the women. I love the taboo things that she does, the way that she writes and says the dirty little secrets that people keep in their heads that we as women typically don't talk about. I love that she picked out all the different pieces of motherhood, of womanhood, of feminism, of all of those things. I think it was a wonderful job. Um, I highly recommend this book. Um, she's an excellent author, and I, I definitely loved it. Okay. Um, Steffi? All right. Um, I'm going to go with um, four stars as well. For me, I feel like I could say ditto on pretty much everything all of you guys said and combine it into one review for myself. Um, I did have to read it a second time around. And there was a lot of, oh, when I read it the second time around. The first time, to be honest, especially because I listened to it on Audible, 
I did like the narrator. So if you're an audible person, um, it's good on the narrator is good. Um, but the, the first time around, I had a really hard time figuring out who was who in the beginning. It took a couple, I had to rewind a lot in the beginning, which what does happen often in audiobooks. I will say something about reading versus listening. I find myself having to go back a good bit more in audiobooks, but I had to a lot in this book. Lots of rewinding, lots of going like, wait, did I miss something? And like, you know, back 30 seconds, back 30 seconds. Um, and the second time I listened to it again, there was a lot of, oh, moments of that's why that was, you know. So it was, I found myself remembering when Sam described the difference between a male and female author, how the female sometimes will talk a little too much about stuff and go into a little too much detail about stuff. And that was coming up for me a lot in this book. Especially as I listened to it the second time around, I was like, all right, let's get to the good stuff. Like, we're going to, I was like, oh, do I want to listen to this all again? Or can we mm-hmm. skip to the juicy bits? Um, so, so that's only, that's the reason I gave it four stars was just because there was a lot of meat to the story. And I appreciate a lot of meat to the story, but there was just, for me, a little too much meat to the story. Um, but overall, I really enjoyed it. I loved, I loved like the dirty little secrets. I loved little dirty little thoughts. I loved all of the random, really vulgar moments that popped up in this book. I myself am a very vulgar, raunchy woman. So I enjoyed all the little pop-ups, um, uh, right? Shocker. Um, uh, so yeah, but anyway, solid four stars for me. I, I do enjoy Ash- Ashley Aldrain's writing. I'm looking forward to her next book. I would like okay. to briefly Look point out. Solid reviews from us we- all. A four or more from all of us on this story. So this was a solid pick mm-hmm. for us as a yeah. group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First one we've had. Yeah. Very good. Mm-hmm. True, actually, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one's bitching yeah. about anything. No so one's yeah, bitching. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one's bitching. Okay, Nessie. Okay. One-off book, Rick. What you got? So my one-off is a little different than my typical ones because I try and find something so different than what we normally read. This one's probably something we probably would have picked to read and done a thing on, but it's, um, I picked What Lies in the Woods by Kate Alice Marshall. Um, And I'm going to read, I'm going to, because I'm afraid I'm going to give stuff away, I'm just going to read the summary from Goodreads because it's probably the best way to describe this story. So they were 11 when they sent a killer to prison. They were heroes, but they were liars. Naomi Shaw used to believe in magic. 22 years ago, she and her two friends, Cassidy and Olivia, spent the summer roaming the woods, imagining a world of ceremony and wonder. They called it the goddess game. The summer ended suddenly when Naomi was attacked. Miraculously, she survived her 17 stab wounds and lived to identify the man who had, had, who had hurt her. Sorry, The girl's testimony put away a serial killer, wanted for murdering six women. They were heroes, but they were liars. 25 years later, Naomi is trapped in a relationship that she's suffocating and shooting video, wedding photos to meet, make ends meet when she finds out that the man that she put away in prison has finally died from cancer. So she returns home decades later to foreclosure. Here, one of her friends has decided to tell the truth. And Naomi, who has yet to truly understand what happened to her in the woods, wants to know the truth. And it turns into a dangerous game. I gave this one four stars because it is very twisty. It's a little dark. It reminds me of a true crime story that I'm not going to say because I feel like it's going to give away the plot of this book, but I would like to know if you've read it, um, if you had the same conclusion. Um, This one was really good. I I really, really recommend this one. If somebody likes kind of the twisty stuff, the kind of along the same lines that we all read before, this one's really good. Okay. 
We had actually, Ness, we had taught, we had, this was one of the books we had thought about using in the book club and we didn't, it got outvoted um, and, and another one took its place, but I'm excited to read it. So yes, please don't give anything away. It's in your audible. I it's in my audible. <laughs> Feel free to steal it. Excellent. Excellent. If any of our listeners need Vanessa's login. <laughs> no, we um, can't have any more traffic in there. Toss it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> guys. <laughs> I need to know what people are listening to so I don't have to keep hitting undo, undo when someone steals my shit. Seats taken. <laughs> so question on your Audible, if I'm listening to an old book and you're listening to a current one, will they override no. each other? No, it's only if no. you listen to the same book. Only what I'm currently, li- like if we're okay, both so- listening to the same book, that's the only one that matters. Oh, okay, because my pastime, one of my favorite pastimes is to yes. go behind Vanessa and go through her finished books and <laughs> read behind her. And I'll go on her Goodreads and I'll see what she rated high. <laughs> she loves her some Diane Chamberlain and it was good. She had really good books in there. So yeah, I like to go on Vanessa's Goodread and then go behind her on her Audible and read our little in-between books. <laughs> Solid advice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because I don't rate or share anything, but Vanessa does. <laughs> I do. Mm-hmm. Feel free to snoop, guys. Friend me on Goodreads. <laughs> All right. Um, my oldie but goodie pick is called Truly Madly Guilty by Lane Moriarty. Um, she's one of my favorite authors. I think she's popular with us sisters as well. I know I've read all of her books. Mm-hmm. Um, her writing style is similar. Well, I think she's been around longer than Ashley Aldrain. So she flips back and forth between the different characters' perspectives with each chapter which, I mean, honestly, if you're trying to hook somebody in, that's the way to do it in a book. Um, But this book was released in 2016. I gave it five stars when I read it. Um, So it's kind of the same premise. There was an accident at a neighborhood barbecue involving a child, and it goes back and forth between what led up to that night and dives into all the different uh, people in the neighborhood, you know, their little inner stories. If I didn't love this book, The Whispers, so much, I would say she copied... Lane Moriarty, but since I loved it so much, I'm not going to say that, but it was very similar. So if you did like The Whispers, you'll love this book by Lane Moriarty. Did anyone else read that book that they remember? Yeah. Yeah. I did. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. I forgot. I forgot how much I like it. Well, as soon as I started reading. I mean, the the plot or whatever. The rest of it's not, but the plot. Okay. Yeah. Are we ready to dive into the fun sesh? Character session. Okay. I'm ready. Oh, God. (laughs) All right. Who? Who? Samantha. Sammy. Oh, whoops. I think I just wrote in the... You did, and it was on my part. Outline. (laughs) You're going to fuck me up. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. All right. So first up, I got Whitney. For Whitney, I chose Blake Lively. Yes. All right. Yes. I don't, have to look her up right I don't so even need to Google. We all guys. know it's yes. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yes. I would I would Good love job. to see Perfect. her finger paint with yes. someone. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. Well, she was in that movie where she was the love interest of those. Yes, that was such a good movie. And she that that Martin yeah. mm-hmm. yes. So yeah, that was Hey, a good what, one. Ryan Reynolds yeah. is a lucky Very man. Good. Yeah. Cause I actually could see Blake Lively living yeah. out. I mean, maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. I don't know. I should not subject. Can I can I say something funny real quick about them? So on Instagram. He has, he has a habit because she's so beautiful, obviously. He goes on Instagram and finds the most unflattering pictures of her and posts them on social media, to like, especially on like her birthday or something, to like, happy birthday to this beautiful woman. And he finds the ugliest oh, pictures. Wow. And she's still beautiful and it's annoying. But anyways, 
They're cute. I love her. Okay. So for her little guy, you'll probably have to Google this name, but you probably recognize his face. His name, uh, Jacob. Daniel Sunjata. S-U-N-J-A-T-A. And Sammy would be like, oh, yeah. Because she loved that damn movie. Oh, from from that. Yes, from the, the twin movies. Oh. The twin show. Yep. Yep, yep. Okay, yep. yeah. Let's do it. He played that kind of similar yep. role. Yeah. That's Samantha's like. <laughs> yeah, I could favorite. just see him and his little Chris Chinos. <laughs> it's the only reason you like the twin show. Well, I just imagine him in the Chinos and the fresh crisp, crisp shirts mm-hmm. and just being all like. Yeah, go and fuck that guy. I'm yeah. going to watch you. All right. For sure. Yep. For Blair, I chose Elizabeth Olsen. Because she's... I feel like... Have we chosen her before for something? Yeah, we used her in another one. I just chose in a movie show that I recommended. The new one of the Love and Death on HBO. Anyway, she's cute. She could be weird, Mm -hmm. doing the weird things Blair does. Mm Mm-hmm. She could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see her sniffing like the dildos. Roseanne, you're doing, you're doing really good yeah, so I know. far. It's fucking killing it. Yeah, I know. This is All good. right. So, surprise, who do you guys think I picked for Aiden? No! no! Come on, Roseanne. You can't have Theo on everything. <laughs> but come on, who's better than Theo James for this guy? Honestly, that's a good it's perfect because it's true. Blair was like she wasn't used to guys attractive, this attractive being into her, but then he's like hound dog, so it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gregarious, yeah. loud. Yeah. Is it sad that that's the only role Theo James can play? No, he's branded himself. It is what it is. <laughs> it's working well for him. It's the only like every character. I'm just saying it's because he's good looking. Okay, all right. Um, I Rebecca, know. I chose Minka Kelly. Do, I have, do we have any Friday Night Lights fans? Let's see. Okay, no, she's a good yeah, Rebecca. Um, naturally pretty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Long, dark yeah. hair, straight. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. Okay. And she played a very meek character in her other stuff, so I feel like that would be a that would be a very good version of Rebecca. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, my final choice, soft spoken, is Ben. I didn't bother you anyone else after this, by the way. So Ben, I chose Paul Rudd. No, really? No, yes, because yes, no. because he's got to no. be the guy next door. Who's also shitty. So everyone loves Paul Rudd. Come on. We all love him. Yes. But that's the point. I know. That's the point. You got to love the guy. And then he ends up being the shithead. Oh, no. He needs this role. I hate hate him finally. (laughs) That would be so hard. No. It would be hard. That would be so hard. That's why it would be good. Talk about a twist. Yeah, twisted his show to see that would be hard. Um, so yeah, I didn't bother doing Mara. Hard. I tried to yeah. Google Portuguese actresses. I there's, I mean, uh, what do you think I'm gonna find? There's not any really old old women Portuguese <laughs> actresses. <laughs> Who is left? I'm not gonna do the kids because no one cares. I mean, these are the main characters, so that's it for me this session. Did you guys have any other oh, people you had in mind? 
No, this is your job. I don't think about no. this stuff. Oh, okay. I don't know if like as you're reading, you have a thought that pops into your mind or anything. Okay. I actually, in my head, I thought Mara looked a lot like Tolva in my other book from the little octopus one who right? I envisioned yes. Tolva being oh, is yeah. who I thought Mara was. Hey, I, yeah. Um, I hate to squirrel us, but I did read that book actually finally. So Roseanne, you got to read was it good. now too. See? It was very good. Uh, See? It was very good. Yes. Sammy, Sammy, yes. I'm not going to give it away to ruin what? this for Roseanne, but the mop bucket scene. <laughs> well, I see you, you guys already told me about it, so I knew it was coming. But don't you love but, it? You know, but wasn't um, it cute? But, uh, but it was oh, good. His no, it was little cute. tentacles. It was very good. I was about to say, to clear wind, it up, they're talking it? about the octopus yes. book in case it wasn't clear from the tentacles. <laughs> that I'm still refusing to, li- to listen to. <laughs> It's a great Remarkably Bright Creatures. No, everyone needs to read it. Please read it. Remarkably Bright Creatures. Please read, everybody. It was our first rec. Please read it. It's so good. Everyone hound Roseanne. Make her read it, please. (laughs) (laughs) Is that your octopus tentacle, Roseanne? Flood the chat. (laughs) Go read the octopus book, guys. I will say, so even Heaven, so I made her listen to just the octopus talking, just Marcellus. And she was like, it's good. Yeah, Yeah, it's good. It's so So funny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Moving on to a couple TV shows, movies worth mentioning that were based off books. Real quick, in case anyone paid attention to last episode, we plugged the Lost Girls about the Long Island serial killers. They just caught the motherfucker two days ago. He was a sick fuck. He, nice. he was in a snuff porn. Yeah. You know, he, he was married yeah. with two kids, like architect, you know, normal guy. Yeah. And they caught yeah. his ass. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, the suspect. Um, he was big. Like I thought he was like, he he pretty big tall. Dude, yeah. He? Like massive. Well, yeah. 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 Anyways, did. I just yeah. wanted to, to yeah, say that, yeah. that they caught his ass. So that was nice. For anyone that used to read Anne Rice back in the day, um, her book, The Witching Hour, They've picked it up on AMC called The Mayfair Witches. It's about a young neurosurgeon. She discovers she's heir to a family of witches. And I only plug this because, I mean, I have read a couple Anne Rice books back in my day, but the lead witch on here, she was in the first season of White Lotus and she did a, she did a great job. I so I just wanted to plug her. Who <laughs> <laughs> James and White Lotus. <laughs> We're going to start taking shots. Theo <laughs> James, White Lotus. In fact, <laughs> cheers, cheers to White to Lotus. White Lotus. <laughs> that was cheers. a great show. <laughs> sure, Roseanne. Whatever. If you don't watch it, that's your loss. You're a loser. Fine. All right. <laughs> it was good. Um, it was. It was. My last recommendation, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm going to. It's called One True Loves, based on the book by Taylor Jenkins Reid. You can watch it on Apple TV, Amazon Prime. Um, looks like a cute little change of pace from our regular mind fuck books. Um, it's about a woman she must choose between her husband, who she thought was dead, and her new fiance that she's about to marry when her husband resurfaces. So that sounds interesting, right? Where was he? I don't know. We gotta, we gotta Wait, watch. Wait, where was he? We gotta watch. Yeah. Read the book. Oh, watch the so. movie. Oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah, so I want to watch that. Let's watch it tonight, guys, separately in the text. Yeah, it's like yeah. I watched that the other day and it's still oh. No, that one still okay. makes me cry. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. That's tough. Yeah, that is like Pearl Harbor. It is. Yeah. Yikes. All right. Well, 
Um, that's all I got. Are we ready to outro this bitch? Are we ready to make some dinner bitches? My little housewife bitches. All right. That's yes. <laughs> okay, y'all. <laughs> Episode five is a wrap. Um, to date, we have had 711 total downloads of our podcasts, which is not bad for some nobodies. So um, I'll say, preface all that to say we're still not rich and famous. We are not in Fiji. We're not in Bora Bora. So we still need y'all support to make that happen. So keep listening, keep sharing, telling a friend, all those good things. And thank you for your support thus far. We're excited to announce to you guys that our next next book club pick is The Quiet Tenant by, hang on, I had to look up how to say it, Clémence Michelon. Nice. Look it up. I said it pretty damn good. Um, again, that's The Quiet Tenant by Clémence Michelon. So please head over to our Instagram for release dates and further details about the book. And guys, don't forget that while you're over there, please check out our Instagram. Let us know how we did. We'd love to hear from you, the good and the bad. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel on your preferred podcast platform. And please be sure to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to us. We appreciate all of the support we've received so far. You guys are amazing. Until next time, cheers, my friends, and happy reading. Bitch, but you fuck so good I'm on top of it when I dream I'm doing you all night Stretches all down my back to keep me right on Hey, y'all crazy bitch But you fuck so good I'm on top of it